from Wichita, Kansas. It's Black Ooze presents with Art Brood Film. Nazi Germany. Okay, we're getting into this. Start over. Hey, man, it's really good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thank God for technology. Oh, my God. Just, technology. We're here with Tech Talk. Hopefully, uh, one of these points, uh, I don't know when, but we'll be brave enough, ballsy enough to do this in the same room like real podcasters. Uh, uh, you, me, one room, no one gets out alive. It's no going to be awesome. Alive. It's <laughs> going to be total horror fest, as it should be. But today, we're talking about, what are we talking about? Uh, well, I mean, first off, uh, welcome to Black Goose Presents. With me, Wade Hampton. And uh, me, Ryan Johnson. and uh, lovely yeah. Wichita, Kansas. We're also part of Art Brute Film. Yeah. What are we watching today? What did we watch today? Well, uh, so last time we had a total blast talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, there's another film that you could definitely see was very heavily inspired by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, older films from the 70s and all of those sort of things that I have adored since it came out in the year 2003. And that is Rob Zombie's House of 1000 Corpses. Which I was excited to find out. I know you know this, that he was, this was, they actually made it in 1999. That's how long it took to actually come out. And uh, he said that uh, he got a tour of Universal because he was thinking about doing a maze, like a. Uh, oh, no. Oh, what's that? You're, you're, did That's your cool. Keep go going. Out? Keep going. Okay. Ryan's having technical issues with his camera, but we're working on it. No, that he had mentioned that uh, he went to Universal to do a. Uh, 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 I assume they were doing, and they probably do now, a Halloween night, and he was doing possibly a maze, you know, that was uh, would be influenced by Rob Zombie's vision of how he thinks horror should be. And I like that he said the guy nonchalantly, go, got any ideas for movies? And he pretty much said, he admitted he had a title. <laughs> Great <laughs> title. Said, a great title. And he said, I literally had nothing else. He goes, I wish I could remember what I said, but I just started making up crap on the fly. And he said, the guy was like, cool. So he went, went home and wrote 13 page treatment. And he said, two months later, they were shooting House of a Thousand Corpses. God damn it. See, I and didn't most know of that. It on, and most of it on the Universal backlot, mm-hmm. which makes me feel like I love this movie film or more because it feels like old time movie making. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I watched a commentary and he talks about set that because it was on the universal backlot that uh, the psycho house was like right next door. And that was oh, where right. they had like catering and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and the Jaws ride was like around the corner. And so they said on a few days, it was like ruining shots. You could hear the Jaws ride. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. And the house they shot in was used in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, 1982. That was the, that's the house. That's correct. Which I find very interesting. <laughs> I find that very interesting. One, that it's still there, you know, because you assume a lot of what they build just gets knocked down. But I realize Universal is probably like, uh, we can use this in some way, shape or form. But yeah, man, it's a, it's, it's something that, well, and you know what else I realized too? That is another thing that we kind of keep coming to. I mean, this is episode five and it makes me really happy. Episode five, people. Look That's how far awesome. we've come. 
That's so exciting. Anyways. Think how far we've come. <laughs> I'm just so happy to be here. All this time. It's beautiful, beautiful voice. I, know. I, I, I'm, I can break into song at any time. I do when I'm alone in my house. You should do it when you're alone <laughs> in your house. Uh, you just think you're alone in your house and I'm in yeah, the other sure. room going, oh, it's so pretty. Uh, <laughs> just keeping my distance. Loud my neighbors are like, oh, he has a voice of an angel. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say that this is our fifth episode and what I realized is everything we've done so far and I would love to see just how deep we get into this thing before we start seeing uh, a reasonable amount of CGI. But I was thinking back, and I think everything we've done so far is verily a very uh, practical effects, like heavy yeah. or 100%. Well, I think there's two reasons for that. One, well, that's what you and I are drawn to, so that's that goes without saying probably. But uh, two, you know, and God bless, I have a real... Well, getting to the point, I think that, you know, we, when we decided to start doing this, one of the first things we wanted to start with was, I guess we'd say the classics, you know, mm-hmm. what's, what's the big ones that then move off of that. So obviously it goes without saying that they would be older and uh, pre-CGI, but, you know, if you ask people their favorite horror films of all time, most people say the older ones, you know, I mean, not saying there's not newer yeah. ones, but I think there's just something more real and visceral and goopy and uh, about practical effects because, I mean, I've seen some stuff lately that you know they're doing with CGI and you're like, I get it. That's pretty awesome. And, you know, they can go from point... This, the thing, this leads me to think of David Fincher. I saw an interview with him recently and he said, and he's a perfectionist, I mean, by his own admission, but he's like, oh, I do CGI blood. He said, all you got to do is do one scene with real fake blood and you realize you don't want to fuck with that ever again. He said, my God, talk about slow down a shoot. You have somebody bleeding out of their head and all over a white thing and you go, cut, do it again. And he said, four hours later, mm-hmm. so they cleaned it up and put the actor in a new, he said, so now I was like, we'll just do it in post. And then you see something I can think of like a uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. I think there's a point in it where, uh, um, uh, what's his name? I can't, Daniel Craig is just talking and blood just rushing in his face. It looks amazing. What's well, all CGI. So I have a respect for why people do it, but nothing beats somebody back there going, pumping mm-hmm. away on a tube and you're just going, Ooh. I just love the art form of filmmaking. And to me, nothing shows the truer sense of uh, filmmaking, the art form itself than horror and practical effects. Oh, man. Uh, So speaking of art, I wrote this down because I think in the movie it ended up being a different line. But if uh, one of the best lines in this whole thing, I saw I was watching the DVD special features on my incredibly, I'm going to call it retro DVD of House of a Thousand Corpses because it's very early 2000s with like all the all the menus and like Captain Spaulding talks to you and you ring the bell for service and talk shit and then babies in another menu and Otis is in another one. Anyways, um, they had uh, rehearsals. They had some uh, rehearsal footage and it was my God, my Lord and Savior, Bill Mosley. And um, the girl that played Mary in this film, I can't think of her real name, Jen. uh, And they're doing a scene and he's like, it's one of my favorite scenes of the film where he's like in her face and she's wearing that dunce cap. And he goes, our bodies come and go, but art is forever. 
And I said, God damn it. That is a great line. I think in the, in the final script, it's something like, but this blood is forever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. uh, When he said, our bodies come and go, but art is forever. I said, that's a better line. God damn. Right. Cause I I remember him saying blood is forever. And I thought, Oh, that's kind of cool. But art, art is forever pertaining to that scene. Cause that's when they unveil the, uh, fish guy don't they yeah well and i think he's such an artist like this tortured artist um they're going record there's fuzz on my cheek that's driving me crazy go ahead get that fuzz um so he's such like a tortured artist but uh i think that it seems like along with roughly 30 percent of this film that got cut uh it seemed like a lot of his lines like even when he says i'm an artist or something like that like they it's like they took it away because maybe it was like him calling himself an artist was like, I don't know, too pretentious for Otis. Maybe he knows he's an artist, but he's like that though. That rings that saying that rings not true to me. That's my guess. You, but that, that holds up just as much as those guys talking about, you know, we were trying to get a PG rating on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like, whatever. But the one thing that I, that's my guess. Well, I think there may be truth to that, well, the thing that made me think, but this is a backwards, this doesn't justify my point, I go, but I did do a little bit of reading right before this. And one of the things I found is interesting, it's not unlike uh, Return of the Living Dead where they were, they, I think they threw it out the window, but uh, um, Rob Zombie talked about in a lot, of, a lot of cases, they would do more than one take just to have more for the cutting room floor because they knew Universal was going to go, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. You mm-hmm. can't do that. So, but on that one, that's the blood is forever is the more sinister line, you know, yeah. but it is funny because I like Rob Zombie and I like him more that I've watched some interviews on him making this. Cause he was just kind of like, mm-hmm. we're just getting away with whatever we can get away with. <laughs> also knowing that maybe they wouldn't get away with it. You know, he wasn't, he, the interview I saw, he didn't seem too punk rock, meaning he was like, yeah, we get it. You know, it's universal. They're paying for it. They're going to tell us what we can or can't, but we're just going to go out and make it. It wasn't until I was reading a little bit more realizing, like you said, I mean, what all did they cut? I mean, they cut a shit ton of crazy shit, didn't they? Well, it wasn't even crazy shit. Like supposedly what I've heard, and I don't know if there's an official cut or something out there, but there's something like 40 minutes longer. Like it's- I know there was a whole nother like uh, storyline. But yeah, there was like another little weird storyline with some skunk ape, Bigfoot type thing <laughs> that shows up in one vision in this one just to make it even more fucking weird. Uh, there's a lot of conversations in the backs of cars and in, you know, uh, the guy from the beginning in the bathroom and just all these weird little scenes, like things that they shot to kind of fill it out and and everything that literally Rob was like, yeah, we cut that. Cause like, who gives a shit? Like it didn't need to be there. And oh uh, yeah. Oh, we cut that. And we cut that. If I had a dollar for every time he said, we cut that on the commentary. I mean, I'd be a rich man. There's a, uh, on the IMDB, I noticed there's an actress and, and her role is skunk ape wife. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you see it for a split second. He said, she had, she, he had sexual relations with my wife. And then she uh, goes, oh, he did blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, show her the picture. It's in one of those weird trippy, like how he like polarized yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, everything's backwards and your brain is breaking. No, all in all, it was, it's, you know, it's a, it's a Rob Zombie music video and that's not a slight and, no. and 
and this whole this whole conversation, I think, is going to balance around my feelings about Rob Zombie worshiping the guy and wishing that he has made that he could make a good movie since Devil's Rejects. I mean, well, he's, he said the interview I saw was Joe Rogan. I think it was last year. And he was really cool. And I mean, I, uh, cool. I was always wondering if maybe he was a pretentious asshole only because of what he, in that one documentary, what he kind of said about John Carpenter dissing him when he said he called him and wanted to remake it. He made it sound like John Carpenter's like, I don't give a shit if you fucking make it. And then John Carpenter, I saw an interview with him. He's like, I don't know why he keeps acting like I was mean to him. He goes, I was very nice and gave him my blessing and said, good luck. He said, I don't know why he can't obsessed with telling this story of me telling him, I don't give a shit. Cause he's this absolutely not what, what not, what did not happen. So that somebody's lying. So right. that was weird to me. I was like, well, why would Rob Zombie not want to praise the shit out of John Carpenter? Anyway, getting to the point, I saw him with uh, Joe Rogan and uh, um, I can't remember what I was going to say. What were you, what'd you just say? I wonder what that'll do. I just clicked something on my computer. Let's see what it does. <laughs> um, I'm, well, well, I'm afraid because I'm on my big computer and then I'm like, nah, this file won't be too big. I, w- I don't want to get to the end of it and have it like be downloading. Not save it. I don't have any space. Uh, so, no, so um, I, all right, I worshiped. Okay, so I didn't get House of a Thousand Corpses the first time. No, I, I know that. what I was going to say. Let me say it. He yeah. said, he said at the end, he was talking, he goes, I don't know how many people have said to me, your best film, because they're talking about the segment I saw, House of a Thousand Corpses. He said, people say to me all the time, well, your best film was your first one. You've been chasing it ever since. <laughs> and he kind of goes, I don't know, you know, yeah. but it was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so if we look at just a filmography, it's like uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is is I, I still think, and I haven't really wavered on this one too much. Uh, as I got older, I thought maybe I would dislike some of his stuff a little bit more. And I'll get into that here in just about one second. But rewatching House of a Thousand Corpses twice now in the last couple of days, um, it's I just think it's so awesome. And, and I really do like it. It has a lot of issues and it has a lot of problems. And you kind of tell that no one really knew what they were doing. But some amazing performances elevated it and some just it just being generally trippy and everything. I, I think it, it, it goes places and I really, really enjoy it. And then I was fucking pumped for Devil's Rejects. Like I was at KU at that time and a friend of mine was super pumped about it as well. He loved House as much as I did. And he got me into Devil's Rejects is coming that was back when like they would do big things for movies. Like it had its own website and you could go to that website and you could read character bio or not character bios, like full bios of these characters. And I'm going to interject and and I want to interject one of the thing he said, then we'll get right back to what you're saying. He was talking about early 2000s. He said, you got to remember this was a time where nobody was really making horror films. Right. Yeah. This was so universal. You know, they dumped it. Lion, he got the rights back, and Lionsgate's one put it out because Universal saw it and was like, you know, they were making all, I don't remember what he said, Air Bud or something. <laughs> but just <laughs> they literally now, he said everybody's clamoring for that kind of stuff. So, but so anyway, back to what you're oh. saying. This was all, this was pretty unique to be doing what he was doing. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, this was before the remake cycle. This was right around the time, like, you know, movies like Jason X and stuff were being made and they were being shelved and, and put out four years later, similar to this movie. But um, needless to say, Devil's Rejects, I still think, I think I've gotten a little bit older and some of it just really grosses me out. But I think Devil's Rejects, I think he was able to make a better film and a bigger film and something that defied genres and, and was less like a Rob Zombie, a typical Rob Zombie music video. And really just, it went, it went places that I, I really, really love that film for what it is. There are some parts in it that are too gross, too rapey, too just sadistic, but I think that's kind of the point. Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, man, you know me, I used to love his version of Halloween and I would defend it all day, every day. And now I go back and I watch it and it's just, it's, there's so much in it that I, it just seems excessive. It seems like, like thumbing your nose at the audience. Like, can you take this? Can you take this? I'm not right. exactly upset about him changing things or telling more of the story or anything like that. But Halloween has fallen off for me a little bit. Halloween too, I it, I hardly can't watch it. It's, and then there's after this, that, it's there's, like, there's this thing that's happened in your life, Ryan. I've known you now. Uh, I've known you now because you're, tell me your age again. I'm 36 years young. And I, how old's your wife? 33. <laughs> I say that quietly <laughs> okay. as I like I met, to totally. I met that her up. shy of 21. So I'm basing it because I know that she's 20 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. That's how I do the math. So um, that was, uh, now I'm trying to do the math. That was uh, 12 years, 12, 13 yeah. years I've known you. Mm-hmm. So you were 23. Yeah, you were 23 when I met you. Yeah. Here's what I'm trying to say. You're growing up. This I is know. what happens. I know. The things that we all, I look at movies one of these times we're going to actually talk about the movie. No, it's um, fine. I'm enjoying oh, it. <laughs> I feel like th- here's this thing that's happened to me. I've had numerous movies, especially older movies. I'll use Dark Crystal as an example. When I was a kid, and I, I still do, I worship Jim Hansen. Saw Dark Crystal, sh- shy of uh, or short of uh, um, Star Wars, one of the best films I'd ever seen when I was young. I was like, oh, my God, this fantasy land, world building. Then I got into my mid twenties, saw it, and I was like, "This is dumb." I mean, it wasn't dumb. It just it didn't hold up. This is for kids. What? Whatever. I wanted insanity. You know, mm-hmm. like what you're talking about stuff that was visceral and because <gasps> you're kind of in your rebellious, you know, fuck the world punk stage. In that, I mean, I was. You are. You're drinking, doing all the crazy shit we did. Right. And then I see four or five years ago when they made the three years ago, whatever it was, the new. Uh, Dark Crystal on Netflix, I thought, well, I'll watch the original movie. I just want to, I better watch it. So, you know, I know that this is a prequel. But anyway, I watched it, loved it, loved it. And it was kind of like I had matured enough that I I had this kind of nostalgia for the things that really spoke to me. But, and on the flip side, there's stuff that in my 20s that just hardcore spoke to me. And now I'm like, yeah, okay, this doesn't hold up. And I think that's what's happening to you. And I think that 
movie like House of a Thousand Corpses, I mean, it has its moments where it gets pretty insane. I think he holds it well, but it is a, just a good flick. It doesn't seem to, if, it, if it's excessive, it serves the story where mm-hmm. I felt like the, some of the things you just mentioned, like Halloween 2 and stuff, and I think, is it Halloween 2 or 1 where they show Mike Myers' white trash parents? And you just kind of go- first one. And it's just kind of like, all right, they're terrible people. Jesus, I fucking get it. Right. But that seemed Rob Zombie doing Rob Zombie more than Rob Zombie thinking about what makes a good movie. And what is a good movie? House of a Thousand Corpses. Let's start at the beginning of this film. (laughs) And it is great. Yeah, I mean, that's... um... That beginning, I mean, Dr. Wolfenstein, you can see, I mean, you can see Rob Zombie just put everything he loved into this movie. And oh old-timey, old-timey horror host like that. The old creature feature host. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's funny because watching it, he has degraded that image so much that when the actual movie comes in, I go, oh, thank God. Because I thought <laughs> I had like a bad copy coming through Amazon Prime. I was like, God, is it? Ah, this looks really digital. You know what I mean? It was yeah. breaking really bad. Then I realized, oh, that's he did that on purpose. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, Rob supposedly was supposed to play that part, and oh, that he, but he great. was going to be in like full werewolf prosthetics and all this yeah. sort of stuff and be Dr. Wolfenstein. But supposedly he said it still looked too much like him. And oh. he didn't really want to be seen in the movie if he was in it at all. He didn't really care to be in it, but he was going to do that. And and have. so they ended up using this other guy. And I think it's great. I like it more with the the clearly like shadowed makeup and everything. It's kind of a Sven Gulli kind of well, like, looking he, oh, thing. Oh, it's and, perfect. It, and it looks like nothing about Wolfenstein, which makes it even right. better. Yeah, it's just <laughs> such a random, creepy name. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, you have nothing to do with it. Who cares? I'm spooky. <laughs> I love the idea of it's why are you using that name? Because it sounds spooky. Yeah, it's a spooky name. And he should have. I mean, <laughs> it was great, but I would have loved to see Rob Zombie introduce his first film. I think that would have been fantastic. Yeah. But it's so good. Yeah, it, it's so good. And it goes straight into what's next after that. Uh oh, yeah. So um after that, I mean, you've got the greatest TV commercial ever created, which oh, is uh, so Captain good. Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madmen. Y'all like blood, violence. Freaks in nature. Well, come on down to Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men. Even the type at the end with, or with the little skulls oh, and crossbones and how it scrolls. I was like, dude, so good. Fried and, chicken and gasoline? Come on. And like monsters and things? Like, what the hell? It, it, it's, you it can, just, well, it's, it's why Rob Zombie gets it. And he needs to get back to that, obviously. I haven't seen most of his new films. I'd like to go on record because my dear friend Ryan Johnson has told me, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, the big the big Rob Zombie fan, love all his music, still listen to him, seen him in concert multiple times, have, have championed his films. I have action figures from House of a Thousand Corpses I gotta, and I Devil's to, Rejects. I have to say this. I... First time I ever went to Ryan and his lovely wife, Cassandra's house, they showed me around and then they showed me their House of a Thousand Corpses room. They had a room dedicated to House of a Thousand Corpses. That's how big a fan he is of Rob Zombie and this movie. And I said, I haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, both went, cool. Yeah. You have to see this movie. 
Yeah, I mean, if you like horror movies, it's got everything. It's got it'll touch you on your old timey horror stuff. Mm-hmm. It'll hit you with the '70s stuff. Speaking of '70s stuff, it'll touch I, your wiener. It'll it, it, go straight it, to your butthole. It'll it give will, you a reach around. It'll give you a. I don't know. What I'm it's to a say. skeleton hand touching my balls. Currently, it's a skeleton hand touching your balls. It's got a the middle skeleton finger right up your butthole. If you're into that, <laughs> I don't know. Back gives, to the wiener. Gives jokes. me a boner. Um, uh, so uh, yeah i'll add that later uh or andy add that add that andy we'd like a rim shot can you back up and put a ring i got you he's like if he's listening at this point i'd be shocked so uh so yeah i mean sid haig it was such an a devastating like loss it was even harder to see him in three from hell which almost wish he wasn't in it unneeded unnecessary third part of this trilogy that no one asked for or wanted well i'm sure some people wanted it but god i would i would say i think everyone wanted it it, if they had done it a lot earlier when sid haig was you know, fine. So sad. Fuck it. Go for it. But yeah, I mean, my God, they're mowed down at this end of the second one. Leave it be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would have been really awesome if they had actually been re if they had actually died and they were legitimately rejected from hell, like the devil kicked them out and they came back and they were supernatural. And then they were like, jasons or something right we're a crazy family like that's a weird original idea but either way i don't want to talk about hell other than i'm so sad to not have sid haig in our lives anymore he was a true true gentleman uh he was always there for the fans i never got to meet him but i i mean i wish i could have because he he just he loved what he did he did it he said he's in this interview with him on this DVD. He said, you know, I do what I do. And this was before the other sequels and even more fame. Uh, he said, I do what I do mainly for me because I'm selfish and I love doing this. And I'm 50 feet tall when I'm in front of a camera and I can do anything I want. But he said, I also do it for the fans. And he's that kind of guy. He's know? an ambassador of horror. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, yeah, his commercial was perfect. And then we push into the thing so, that makes me laugh because is, do they not push into the actual building in full color at this mm-hmm. point? Yeah. And it cracks me up about that. And this is where I feel if if we had a soundboard, I'd have something that'd go, Wade's going to be picky. Wade. <laughs> I want you to pick it apart. My only pickiness of this is, first of all, it's fucking awesome. That's not <laughs> the picky part, but it's supposed to be this kind of roadside attraction, you know, you know, which is like the world's ball of, biggest ball of twine, all these things. And I'm like, this neon is perfect. Everything's perfect. It is, you know, <laughs> you go to Disneyland, it's probably not this goddamn perfect. And it's like, this needs to be a lot more beat up. Even the, even the uh, killer ride or murder ride later, I was like, everything's perfect. They needed more shit not working. Like, you needed to kick the wall and have the thing kind of pop up. There should have been lights that were, you know, but everything was so perfect. And you walk in that place, it's like, this one guy and maybe, I don't know, he has his stupid henchman. They're keeping this place this perfect. I don't buy it. That's my <laughs> nitpick. I just wanted it to be a little more you know yeah like, i never thought be, about that like, i just wanted to look like it wasn't maintained now was it beautiful oh my god oh my god. i can see why universal i'll interject here in the same interview he said yeah i got fired from universal and he said 20 years 
later Universal uh, Orlando and Los Angeles now have basically a whole uh, section of the park dedicated to his movies, House of a Thousand Corpses and all this stuff. So he yeah. said, I laughed when they announced it. I go, you guys fired me. <laughs> yeah. No. They go, Halloween Horror Nights, come see the Firefly House from yeah. House of yeah. a Thousand Corpses yeah. Yeah. and so, Tour the Maze. And it's just so like, it's, I mean, the art direction is phenomenal. So I, that's why I'm saying I'm torn. I'm not, you know, poo-pooing for that. I love it. It just, I would have loved to have seen it be because, you know, everything else in it is so beat up. Fuck. Anyway, but yeah, when they pan, push in. Yeah, when they pan down and they push in on all that stuff, it's just like you just eat it all up. It's insane that you're right. I didn't think about that. It would be great if the neon was kind of flickering or if there was like just a little. it was just a little bit kind of like a few little problems here and there. Would have well, I re- made it right before we started in. it. I rewatched the beginning and I laughed because I really slowed it down. I was like, nope, everything was just built. <laughs> and I just shocked me that some production designer didn't say. Rob, do you want these to like be flickering? You, oh yeah, maybe you should make them look more beat up. He's like, no, it's glorious and beautiful. And I'm sure he's just standing in front of like you and I would be going, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Don't touch anything. So, yeah, that was like some sort of a set out on, I think one of the ranches or something that was like, uh, it was like a gas station slash diner type set. Oh, and they just, and they, they just, built on top of it and everything. Yeah, so, I don't know, it's really perfect. cool. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, and the murder ride and everything is, is just so awesome. But yeah, Sid, uh, he kills me in this scene talking to, um, I can't remember, I wrote his name down, Spunky or whatever they called that guy. Oh, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember and, uh, his name, but he's such a great actor. I love him. Uh, yeah, he's like talking about uh, Dr. Zayas doll stuck up his ass and, and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> um, there's a pretty Talks great- about putting that, the sorry, the retard. I takes know. that pencil and shoves it in his eye. <laughs> he goes, oh, he just puts it next to him. He doesn't hurt himself. He's like, Jesus. Apparently, yeah. Sid's reactions in that scene are all very real because uh, that other actor was just kind of messing up lines or like doing his own thing. He would like oh, ad lib right. it a lot. And and so Sid legitimately never knew what he was going to say next. And so all of his uh, reactions are very real and you can just see it on his face. His his expressions are so good. Yeah, no, I I remember noting, I thought, damn, he's he's a good actor. Well, I mean, he is a good actor, but it's it makes more sense if he's just riffing on stupid shit, like shoving a pencil in your eye. You'd be like, Jesus Christ. When he hands that awesome uh, key for the bathroom to him, that's a big old like monster hand. And it's when, flipping him off. Yeah. Well, when when you first see it, it's doing devil horns. Oh. And then, I didn't catch this. I saw this on the commentary. You see it doing devil horns. And then on the next, the literally the next right. cut, it's flipping you off. And uh. then later on, when he comes out of the bathroom, it's devil horns again. Oh, that's It was hilarious. just like weird little continuity things throughout this whole thing. Oh, I, I'm sure. I think you can pick it, all of them apart because they were just, again, they were just making it happen. Well, when those two dipshits walk in, it, it's oh such a God. great scene. They come in guns a-blazing, literally, and I love how he doesn't give two fucks. When they come in, he's just like, fuck your mama, fuck your grandma. <laughs> yeah. and he just doesn't care. He ain't worried about guns. He's not he trying to kill him. Good luck. And that scene goes down, and it's hilarious as hell. And I, I like the little guy calling him, what is he, Little Dick Wick? Little Dick Wick played with this prick. Don't the smell just make you sick? <laughs> I, I hate like, that oh, song. Oh god, I hate that so song. Gross. Put your mask back on. And that guy comes running through the door. Oof, oof. He's a little creepy. Uh, uh, what's his name? 
I don't remember his name. Oh, um, Roselli or something oh. is his name. Roselli oh, or Ravelli. Ravelli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Erwin yeah, that guy's gross. Oh, yeah. Why is he so gross looking? Well, that's but look at him. That's they're back to my thing. Look how nasty he is to this whole thing. That place is pristine. You know what? Let's We're, talk. Let's get into it. We're talking about Captain Spaulding. You got your wish, brother. Everyone in this film has disgusting teeth. Everybody has disgusting teeth. And I looked at Captain Spaulding's top teeth. His bottom teeth are his teeth. But I looked at his top teeth and I was I, I got a little fixated on, are those his real teeth or does he have a clipped on teeth? I that I don't know. I I leaned on that they're fake, but I, there's a good chance it's just his, I mean, not knocking them. You know, said, hey, <laughs> teeth are fine. They just put stuff on it. But they, they were so glossy, like the gums too. I kept thinking, I think that might be a prosthetic where they just popped in uh-huh. his teeth. But yes, good for Rob Zombie for noting, give nasty people nasty teeth. Yeah, and Karen Black later has, she's great. She's got these disgusting teeth I, and she's just leaning into worship, it. I worship Karen Black, but Karen Black looks like she probably smokes five packs a day. <laughs> and they probably looked at her teeth and went, yeah, that's fine. Yes, you're good. <laughs> you're good. She's like, honey, did you want to do something to my teeth? Oh, nope, you're good. You're Star Wars. Just gonna let you use those teeth. And they're like, damn, those teeth are brown. If you listen to this back and forth between on these, on these, uh, I don't know if these are the actual names, but on these um, uh, like lines from the film, it's called Killer Carl is the name of the guy in the ski mask. And uh, Captain Smalling, uh, he says, all right, Tippy, hand over the cash box and I might leave your brains inside your skull. And then Spalding quips back with, well, I'll tell you what, Ski King, why don't you just take, <laughs> why don't you just take your mama home some chicken? Then I won't have to stuff my boot all up in your ass. Uh, and I'm just laughing. He's waving chicken in his face, man. It's so, so great. Many good lines. Well, He's he does it. I'm going to count to 10. And I'm thinking, why are you giving him 10? He's clearly not going to do it. He only gets to three, but he's like, well, fuck your mama. Dude, fuck your grandma. And most of all, fuck you. Blam, shoots him right in the face. Shoots him in the face. Uh, And then you get my favorite line of the film. Well, one of them. Ah, God damn. Motherfucker got blood all over my best clown suit. (laughs) Yeah. Right Give into the, the best credits. lines in front of you because there, there's a lot of them. I meant to look up the best lines. I there's literally just went through IMDb and just took screenshots of all of these conversations. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, good, I'll spit a bunch some, out because really good ones. Yeah. Yes, um, that whole scene is perfect. It's such a good introduction to those characters, and then bam, his opening credits. And I'm a graphic designer by trade, and my first thought was, I'm not a big fan of this type. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, i mean first of all we have not pointed out the most obvious thing that everybody knows is this thing is massively influenced by texas chainsaw massacre which is why we're doing it right now we yeah. should explain two things we're doing it because ryan and i decided for the next if we can jam four in before halloween we wanted to do nothing but films that take place on or very close to halloween so yep. that's what we're trying to do up until halloween still did have we, month. did we decide about <laughs> Sorry, it's driving me crazy. Anyway, <laughs> did we decide on a name for this series? What do you like? Fuck yeah, Halloween! Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, fuck yeah, Halloween. This is our fuck yeah, Halloween series. We're tired of summer. Fuck summer. 
And never summer. Yeah. Never summer. That was the other idea for the series. Never summer yep. series. Never summer. Uh, every day is Halloween in our houses. And so we're just ready to get into Halloween and get into fall. So we're going to talk about all of our favorite Halloween movies. So and this Ryan, is one I watch Ryan every year. says to me, uh, or I say to him, hey, why don't we throw together a list, get back to each other. So I literally Googled what films take place on Halloween, which of course aren't all horror films. But anyway, so I looked and I was surprised to find out House of a Thousand Corpses because I hadn't seen it in 15 years. So I sent him my list and he called me and said, dude, <laughs> like we got just do House of a Thousand Corpses. And then he said, I think it would be really good for us to do it now because it's obviously hugely influenced by uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was our last podcast. That being said, you watch this opening credit and the way they kind of, whatever, destroyed, deteriorated the footage, and the way the type, I'm like, this is clearly, this is clearly mm-hmm. the beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre with that body being pushed in and the opening uh, scrawl and the credits they do on that. I mean, everything about it, point being is it's all amalgamation that you can say that he watched that probably 20 times and made this. And everybody's like, Rob, Rob, this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just do it. <laughs> that was 30 years ago. Fucking make it. See, and I think he was friends with Toby, um, oh, okay, which is That's even exciting. better because um, uh, Toby ended up using Sherry Moon in the Toolbox Murders, which came out, I think, a couple years later. Sherry wasn't really super interested in doing it, but I guess Rob and Toby were friends. Maybe after this film came out. Toby, that is friends. a Toby Hooper film? Uh, yes. Okay, I've never heard. Or of he was involved with it. I can't. Okay, remember. I think it's a right. Toby Hooper film. Yeah, Toolbox Murders is pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's I wrote a, down that's some a, parallels. That's a, that's a terrible name for a movie. Oh, but toolbox but he murders, murders. He no. does it with an actual toolbox, not the tools inside of the box. He just no. bludgeons people that's with a terrible. No, I'm kidding. Terrible. I, I think say. it that's might like, have been a remake or something. That. Hey, I have an idea for a film. It's called Vacuum Cleaner Salesman Murderer. <laughs> I, he's he goes door to door to sell vacuum cleaner uh, parts, and then when they open the door, he kills them with vacuum cleaning parts. That movie that's sucks. My, that's my pitch. It's called Vacuum Cleaner Salesman Murderer. People are like, dude, can't you call it like suck till you die or something like that? No, it's called Vacuum Cleaner Salesman Murderer. Oh, I have this other one. It's called Toolbox Murderer. Fuck, it's a terrible name. <laughs> Starring Sherry Moon Zombie. Um, no, I wrote down some uh, parallels just as they came to me. Some are thinner than others. Some are a bit more of a stretch. Uh, so you've got a crazy family unit with a kind of like a hierarchy of Oh, this sorts. is your ties to Texas yeah, Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, sorry. I yes. guess I should have prefaced that. Yes. Uh, ties to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You've got the uh, travelers unknowingly pick up a hitchhiker that leads yep. them to their doom. You've got a family that is uh, heartily uh, uh, obsessed in supporting themselves with the cadavers of others. It's in the 70s, and it is uh, in Texas, I believe. 77. I'm surprised they didn't have a reference to Star Wars, but anyway. Uh, I was watching this movie with Cassandra, and we were like halfway through it, and I was like, you know what? I'm thinking that he made this look older and not you know you notice you haven't seen a cell phone and you haven't seen this and like i think that that he kind of tried to make this so that it didn't have a time and place but it was just old timey and she was like huh no well i think it's modern and i was like yeah i know i didn't catch that apparently the eight 
hundred times I've watched this. I film. didn't catch it till the just today. I watched I it yesterday, Googled and it. I watched it, and I went, "Oh, it says seventy-seven right there." Because yeah. I thought the same thing you did. It's like, oh, good for him. He's having it take place in like maybe seventies, eighties. You don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah. seventy-seven. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't realize that was in like the opening part, and I googled it and I found that out. So yeah, seventies Texas. And he's. I, I want to go. I think I want to say he's five years older than me. So it would make sense that 77 would be his teenage years. So that would be very dear to his heart. So oh, makes sense. yeah, yeah. Because totally. he's, he's the reason he's so awesome. He's big on nostalgia. And I think now more than ever, we need nostalgia. Because today fucking sucks. It straight Boy. up sucks right now. Well, so go back to 77. I had a lady at, uh, at my work the other day say, she pulled down her mask and was like, I can't breathe under here. <laughs> she was like, I tell you what, the 60s, we were free. We didn't have all this You all said this white, people were, white people were a woman. I know. You know who doesn't want to go back to the 60s? Everybody but rich white people. Weird. She was a rich white lady. Um, yeah, of course she wants to live in the 60s. So uh, another so parallel. I take I back noticed. what I said. <laughs> so another parallel. We are straight up liberals. Sorry, I'll keep interrupting you with my rant. <laughs> so another parallel. I just go, <laughs> fuck Every Trump! Time do, oh, fuck oh. Trump and bullshit, burn it down. <laughs> and Wayne, why don't you come along in 19, to, to 2020? You'll have a good time. <laughs> Sorry, I was so for, for anyone that's listening to this that found us in the year 2030 <laughs> and is just now finding this podcast, let me give you a little, uh, little backstory. It's been four years under this fucking asshole as a president trump and it's almost november and i we'll pray when you hear this you can, i pray when you hear this you'll go oh thank god he only got four years no they're gonna go oh yeah our president no god don't say that i hope get they rid say, of the, oh, that, four, the two i hope they limit. say oh the guy that and his whole family went to prison <laughs> immediately after the election Anyways, no one wants to listen to bullshit. So another uh, parallel with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre well, that I noticed. By your if you see camera. this fly, so we had a garage sale, and now our, our, we've got <laughs> Oh, flies. I saw it. I know. <laughs> it's huge. We're, we're doing this over Zoom, and Ryan has his like, GoPro or whatever we're using, and the fly just flew around the camera, and he looked like, it looked like uh, Mothra. <laughs> I just went, oh! It just like, flew in. I was like, <laughs> I decided to do that. this in my dining room slash office slash kitchen slash whatever this is. And uh, so if I sound different, that's why. And, I, um, I, and I wish I hadn't dropped acid right before we did this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, that wasn't a bug. That's I, you're crazy. I don't do drugs. <laughs> Life is uh, a drug. So what anyways, um, I felt like Tiny is kind of this weird, oh, he's sympathetic Leatherface leather character. Exactly. He even wears a fucking Leatherface. Oh yeah, good point. Uh, later on uh, in the murder ride, we get a nice. They have a dinner scene. Oh, they do have a dinner scene. They have bone sculptures. Dinner scene, bone sculptures. Ed Gein is in this thing. He's Ed clearly. Gein's in it. Um, also, uh, they make an actual mask out of someone's skin and wears it. Uh, they are. They have things that are extremely clean that shouldn't be, like the foyer and. <laughs> house and the, did you see the floor in that house squeaky clean <laughs> yeah and somehow uh captain spaulding's place is perfect and clean where it shouldn't be because their teeth are nasty and their shirts are dirty but somehow they kept their whole building and their ride perfect 
when she comes out of the ground towards the end, it could not look more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like there's oh, straw right. and like it's hot and it's sticking to so, her and everything. Yes, yes. Uh, also, you've got like the greatest character ever in this uh, uh, actor ever in this movie in the way of, in the form of Bill Mosley, who played Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, which I know yes. is not just saw Chainsaw, it. Yes. But, and then you also have caves under the house, which is kind of a t- Chainsaw Two thing as well to do. I'm sure there's more. Let's pick them up as we go. I'm sure as we Let's go, shout we'll, it out. Go. we'll just go take chainsaw. They said the other day was that he said he was he admitted he was influenced by that and and the hills have eyes. Yes, well at least he admitted it. Nothing's worse than some. Oh, saying, dude! Uh, if like, he were to um, actually deny that, you'd be like like it'd a, be like talking to a Trump supporter. Yeah, it'd be like I'm a band top. that says they weren't influenced by Led Zeppelin and they didn't even know who they were, and then they sound exactly like them. Greta Van Fleet. Anyways, uh, we're Did not going to really get into that. They didn't know who they were. They were like, they were kids. They were like, oh, I just found out about them last year in high school or something. And I was like, see, now you're full yeah, of shit. Now I don't, I don't, don't believe you. I don't believe um, you. My favorite, my favorite animated gif of Ron Burgundy from uh, Anchorman. I don't believe you. <laughs> the uh, So in that credit sequence, uh, it was all shot on like a camcorder or um, oh, like old it? like Super 8 film and stuff. Uh, Rob did all of that. A lot of the little vignettes and things interspersed in between scenes was all uh, shot by him separate. A lot of like the things, the weird things you see out on the road and like in the in the fields and stuff like that. Some of that stuff was shot on tour. Um, he He did all of this extra stuff outside of the production at Universal and on that ranch. Oh, is he also in a band? Yeah. Um, so he was in a band before called White Zombie. And then um, mm. he's got a, a project. It's actually, it's, um, I, I don't know how you haven't heard of this. It's called Rob Zombie. Uh, he's still making oh. uh, hits. Yeah. Oh, and let me tell you, made music too. Yeah, yeah, pretty good music. His I'm kidding. Albums. I knew all this. Everybody's listening. <laughs> uh, we just saw him huge, last year. I was year. a huge White Zombie fan. La oh Six or Zisto. That album changed my life. Uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, Astro Creep 2000 changed mine. I mean, I was young. I was, I don't know, maybe 12 when I heard that for the first time, or, or maybe younger. I can't even remember, but I do remember that when I first heard the opening to More Human Than Human, that. We used to have um, big Halloween parties when we had our dance party. That was that was that was the song that brought the house down. We put on more human man. Yeah, it's just it's just that opening, the sound, the beats, her like moaning seemed oh, like yeah. forbidden, and it was all this. It was so rock and roll. Uh, yeah, no, I remember my brother gave me his copy of the CD because he knew I was into it, and I was like, here, and it was like that was one of like four albums or whatever that just changed kind of everything for me and kind of got me into that sort that side of things. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. That was, so a, obviously, that was a dumb tangent for me to take. I was being funny. No, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> don't, don't discount yourself. I, it's I, funny. I should, I should have never laid off that. Like, I, I know. We didn't know Rob Zombie. And we could just come back to it multiple times and just wait for people to flame you. Yeah, you don't just, know who Robert B. Zombie it, I'm like, is. I'm really going to check out his music. I mean, I mean, first of all, if you're born with the name Zombie, I mean, come on. Last name's Cummings. Robert hmm. Bartle Cummings. Is that really what it is? Mm-hmm. Or he took up Zombie. Yep. But uh, either way, uh, yeah, the credits are all great. And then we get into uh, the kids in the car and future megastars, in my opinion. Newsflash. 
controversial controversial statement. Not a big Chris Hardwick fan. Really? I like him more now because of personal like, things, or no, 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 no. I, I, when I see him hosting stuff, I've uh, grown to like him a little better. But there's something about him. Here's my take on humanity. Oh, here's my take wow. on all of humanity. Okay, I get my vibe as everybody does off people, and if somebody I don't quite buy into him, that just I can't get off that. And there's something about him I think he he's a little fake. That man, that person has a persona that's hiding something. I don't mean something dark. I don't. I just mean that you're not getting the true person. Even when I see him hosting, he has a little bit of that, hey, you know, kind of fakiness. Mm -hmm. And he comes off like that as uh, Jerry in this film. Now, by the end of it, I think it works. I really do. I think it works for the character. Yeah. Even though he's wearing that obvious wig, which annoys the living shit out of me from the get-go. But I realize he gets scalped (laughs) later. But you got a, 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 what's his name? Um, Rain Wilson. Thank you. Rain Wilson. Perfect. I mean, it's Rain you know Wilson. what? I'm in a controversial statement coming. Okay. I hate Rain Wilson. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. This is Dwight. He's so well, great. but everything about him is so real, honest. It's just you could buy that this guy is just that. Same with the girls. Everything, I mean, everybody, everybody in this movie, but there's just something about See. Chris Hardwick that I just kind of, I don't hate him. I don't, I'm not going that, I'm not, you know, I just, when I saw it, I go, oh yeah, he's in this. I remember him from Singled Out. I, I mean, I like him on Talking Dead and stuff like that, but I don't know, just through Nerdist things and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I, I've always kind of liked him. I have a feeling when you said that, I was like, oh God, has something come out like that? He's like, oh, he got that one thing. But person, got, but, no, they had something. It was disputed. Was it I think, something yeah. with his wife or something like that? that happened. Yeah, it was like a sexual assault thing. I think they ended up, up kind of proving that that wasn't true. Okay. So I'm not trying to pile on that. I just, when I saw it was yeah. him, I kind of went, Oh, it's one of those He's things so that when you in this though. <laughs> when you see a movie, it's one of those things that I always think, oh my God, there's so many great actors and actresses out there they could have got. That's where I tend to go, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyway, moving yeah, on. So, uh, yeah, they're great. Um, the, he didn't get gas, and so they're almost out of gas or something. And so they got to they gotta find a place, and lo and behold, they just happen to be driving by the amazing billboard for uh, Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madman. And uh, so that's inevitably where they end up. And this is another one of those instances. Kids end up at a gas station. Oh, weird. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, kids end up at the gas yep, station. That's the other one. Yep. Off the beaten path with some weird hillbilly people that yep. seem nice enough, but might be up to no good. And, right. uh, and there you go, man. Uh, I, I tend to want to see the good in people unless they really reveal themselves otherwise. And I know that nothing good is going to come out of these people. But I find myself the first time I watched it, you know, a couple of days ago when Captain Spaulding's talking with them, I want him to get along. I want him to be a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. I want him to enjoy that they enjoy what he has. And he kind of goes, ha, ha, I'm just kidding with you. But you know, it's like, you're so fucked. That's so fucked. But you still want it to work out. I just want it to work out. I know it's not going to, but anyway. So they wake up the girls and um and tell them like we gotta get in, we gotta check this out. And I really dislike Mary. I think everyone is supposed to dislike Mary. Oh, uh, she is I Dwight's. I, I can't call him Dwight through this whole thing. She's Bill's girlfriend. 
uh, uh, Rain Wilson. And uh, I mean, Denise is okay. She's all right. But they just didn't give the girls enough to do, I feel like. But um, well, and answer something that confused me. Remember when she says, wake up, we got to go to work? Mm-hmm. What are they doing? So I feel like, I don't know. <laughs> it would have made sense if one of them had a camera or something like that. And well, because I thought, they are you know, making a book. I was thinking maybe they, they am I mixing it up with some other movie? Wasn't there, what was the movie I'm trying to think of? Because when it happened, I went, oh, did they like strip down into like, you know, bikinis or something? Remember, I saw some movie oh. where it was like somebody was shooting something like, oh, it's, is it? it? Yes. Yeah. Bayou Bayou Beavers. Right. Exactly. Where it was like, oh, no, that's what I thought. And then when they just kind of walked around, I was like, go to work. I guess they're just working on the book with them. He goes, hey, girls, who wants to make a horror film? They go, woo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, No. um, This one, I was like, why can't they just sleep? Yeah, I think they're all working together maybe to make this book. So, like I said, it would have made sense if – you know, uh, Bill and Jerry are writing this book and maybe the girls are like working on paperwork, locations, photography, like managerial type things. Uh, well, you hit you the know, nail on the head. One of them, you're right. One of them just had a camera. All you would take around. is one of them just going, yeah. take a few pictures of Crocodile Boy or something. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're part of the crew too. That explains why they're out I there. Would, I would bet a million dollars that when this thing was hold, done, he's watching, he was editing, he went, shit, she was supposed to have a camera. <laughs> <laughs> also later on, they're like apparently so close to Denise's dad's house. I think that's where they were going to stay that night. And uh, she says, oh, hey, right. we got stopped. And right. Uh, we're going to be longer than expected. And then later on, he's like, she was supposed to be home by 11, but she never showed up. And so it's kind of crazy that, I mean, I know Texas is a big state and there's a lot of area out there where they could just be out, out in the middle of nowhere. But um, it's kind of, you know, they say at all accidents happen within like a half a mile of your house or something. Right. Like this is one of those instances where like you almost made it. You almost made it home for Halloween see your dad but nope you stopped at the creepy clown gas station well he it's i'm trying to think because later he knows the local sheriff because he they said he was a former cop and uh yeah no it was cool that he had some association with the area and all that but anyway back to uh yes them being in there i was that thank you because i kept going what are they gonna when are they gonna work i don't understand what they're doing yeah, so they're in You're there. Documenting and, uh, this place, You're, no one seemed to be documenting anything. So I yeah, they're just going to put out a book that has words, and then maybe they pull an image from a flyer. I don't know. Anyway, getting it to was the seventy-seven. Point. They didn't have cameras. Well, uh, they didn't invent <laughs> cameras till the eighties. So. Um, uh, yeah, so Bill starts talking to Spalding, and it's a great back and forth, but it's kind of weird. Uh, Zombie made a point to say it's kind of weird when we played it back. It was like. It was like uh, Bill was flirting with Spalding or something. It was this kind of like really playful. Oh, it was a little like thing oh, where he's kind of. Like, oh, no, yeah. But I just kind of took that as that's him. He's just kind of he seemed funny to be that way kind of cutesy. Yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, they're back and forth is great. I love the line. Uh, well, I took over for my paw about the time the Duke nabbed Oscar, and I and I was like, I don't get it, and I think. He's referencing um, John like Wayne. John Wayne winning an Academy yeah. Award. Yeah, yeah. Because he nabbed Oscar. 
Yeah. And I thought it was from a, like a Western film I'd never seen yeah. where he like, he captured Oscar the Grouch or something. Oscar. Yeah. yeah. A black hat named Oscar. But um, I didn't even catch the whole line. Is he talking about John Wayne? He's like, yeah. And then he does his little flexing muscle, which I'm a big fan of. Oh, uh, Aldi Pilgrim. Yeah. Like that whole so, thing. Um, uh, and it looked real. I just want to go on record. That was a good tattoo. Yeah. I know. That is, good tattoos go a long ways in movies. Uh, we did a short film called Francis Fist of God, and I drew tattoos on Andy, and I tried to cover them and make them to look real, and it just looks like Sharpie because that's all it was. We always joke that if we ever did a follow-up, we'd show him actually drawing his own tattoos on because he is insane. Yeah. To totally. justify how fake they look. Anyway, y'all, so should, y'all should go watch Francis Fist of God. It's pretty uh, I think I think it's a wonderful film and one of my favorite Andy Matlock performances ever. So, um, <laughs> his which bad is British accent saying a lot because he's a his fucking Michael, powerhouse. His Michael Caine accent from a right. guy who grew up in Bell Plain, Kansas. Poor anyway. man, Michael Caine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, another great line from that one is uh, how um, how long you been running this place? Well, I don't know. How long's a piece of string? Uh, I don't know. Two god damn long (laughs) which makes no sense which is fantastic but everything about him is so unnerving (laughs) you're talking to captain spaulding no one ever has a problem with the fact that he always has white face on you know Mm -hmm. white makeup on and you just kind of go okay i would be everything about that i would want to get the fuck out of there not the place the place is cool but if he was being kind of that way behind there i'd be like we're going to be murdered that's all I would ever think. We're going to be murdered. Uh-huh. And well, and then he goes so far as to scare him. And, you know, and just, yeah. just making fun of us, make fun of us country folk and all this uh, sort of stuff. Uh, you asshole. And then he's like, gotcha. Oh, like, oh, my God. Like, I want him filling his face, filling the whole screen all the time because it's just like so magical. magical. Sid Haig is so amazing in this role. And so, uh, yeah, so um, he tells him about the murder ride and how you're not going to not ride the murder ride, right? Well, you got to ride the murder ride. In my 20s, I would have ridden the murder (laughs) ride. My older brain, everything that led up to this, you'd be like, uh... uh, Do you remember Joyland? Yeah. 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 Dude, the, like yeah. the wacky shack like oh yeah that's what that reminded me of like a man-powered mini version of the wacky shack that was way more twisted because it's like uh and, and for our listeners we used to have a old rundown small amusement park in the middle here of, of wichita kansas and uh there was a my favorite thing and as a child the park was called joyland the park was called joyland and uh there's some pretty cool little documentaries about it and some awesome drone footage that you can look up online of it all overgrown now and looking like a zombie film either way they had a thing called the wacky shack and it was one of those old school sit in the cart it drives you through room to room and, uh, and you see all this spooky stuff. And there was one moment where it's pitch black and then all you see is giant headlights in front of you and a huge horn honks like a truck's about to hit you. And it was, I would ride it over and over and over and over again as a child. It was awesome. It was amazing. And that's what well, I will say this it. because as old as I am, I saw it when it was first year. So it was in pristine condition and it still wasn't yeah, as cool. It still wasn't as cool looking as a um, bandit sleeping back there like a dog should sleep. I think he's, I think he's dreaming. Oh, look at his little belly. He's got his dog right behind him, like sleeping. 
Sorry, my dog's in the frame, people, and I'm just making sure he's, he sleeps real, he really looks like a dead dog when he sleeps sometimes. He's really kicked back, so. You can go check him. Yeah, he's good. No, he's good. No, I was going to say that uh, <laughs> um, even even at Wacky Shack's best day, it didn't look as good as this murder ride, which oh, is yeah. back to my previous thing, bandits turning and stretching now. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that uh, uh, that was one of the things that bothered me because I was watching that particular ride and I'm sitting there thinking, this is awesome, but everything works perfectly. Now, I know I've only been over this, but I kept thinking this would be more beat up because one, obviously they're supposed to love it and kind of let their guard down and all that. But I kept thinking what this film's all about, everything about this should feel kind of like it's not quite working right. And mm-hmm. Maybe the track doesn't, you get stuck and you have to push a little harder or, you know, just a few things like that. So anyway, back to what I was saying originally is that I, I can't help but feel like, because he kept talking about, you know, you got the power of Universal Studios behind you. I mean, it's the biggest budget he's ever had. He talks about his last film. Million. He said, I shot this last film on less money than our reshoots cost on this one. That's how much money Universal's are like, what do you need? So I felt like Universal probably saw the production design and just built it. And it looked perfect and fantastic. He went, great, let's just shoot it. And I'm like, you need to fuck this thing up a little more. Yeah. But getting to the really to the point. Yeah. If you had a place in the middle of nowhere and they had a little ride by two hillbilly swords pushing you through it and the guy that's pushing him is disgusting is going to push him through a ride that's dedicated to the history of people being murdered yeah i'd be nervous yeah. he's like right behind you i love it. his shirt says love and it's like all flowery and stuff. yeah it's just so like gross uh, awesome. we're gonna be i would think we're gonna go behind these doors and that's it uh yeah. Uh, Not unlike that, what's her name in uh, Jason Kills that says, I've seen enough horror films to know. That's how I would feel. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, they, uh, you know, they've got Ed Gein in that, which is obviously, you know, nod to that famous serial killer, a notorious serial killer, Ed Gein, that uh, inspired so many of our favorite horror films. Uh, but um, I, I just found out today that Bill Mosley plays Ed Gein in that um, footage that they have of him. Oh, they were really? using real footage of him, but it oh, was actually good. cheaper to just make their own. So uh, yeah, it's Bill Mosley and you can't even tell it's him. It's pretty awesome. Oh, I had no um, idea. It looks but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the murder ride was awesome. And I love how Chris Hardwick blasts out of there. And, oh, that uh, is a great shot. And he does a great shot. Yeah. Dr. Satan. Yeah. Dr. Satan. Who knows? He may live next door to you. <laughs> it's so good. He's so pumped about it. And everyone shits all over it. And he's just like, God, guys. Like, yeah, and Rain Wilson's like, it's okay. It's okay. Dude, you don't have to. It's okay. You don't have to play it down in front of your chick. And it's just like, you can tell that their buddies and the girls being there it's like, it's good, but it's also not good for them because, you know, every time Jerry does something or snaps back at Mary, she goes, she just looks at Dwight or God damn it. She just looks at Bill like, what the fuck, man? You're going to let him talk to me like that? And he's like, well, Mary, he's my friend. He just, that was actually, it worked for the thing, but the, I know we're still getting into this, but it was like, why is Mary so awful? I mean, I understand being bothered by having, but these people, at its surface are trying to help you. Right. And it's like when the, when he burst in later, I know I'm jumping forward, but they say your car's ready. Like, thank God. Like, what I know. annoying. It's like, uh, 
I realize they shot their tire out, <laughs> but they don't know that. But to <laughs> me, it's like, why is she being so awful all the time? Yeah. Not that some people aren't just awful, but God, I felt kind of bad that, you know, anytime you, it's not like the guy that played uh, Franklin, is that his name? Franklin or mm-hmm. Francis? That uh, um, it's like you get famous on playing a character everybody hates. Yeah. Everybody's like, yay, Sid Haig, Bill Mosley. And she walks in, they go, oh, yeah, oh Mary. Mary. And she's like, God damn it. Uh, but one, one, you read the script, jump all over the place. All you want. I got, I got I our, to. I got our rundown. Like do okay. it, please. Like at will, I want you to, um, okay. The last shoot. shot of this film. <laughs> okay. Let's just get to it. All right. We got a quick one. Um, but, uh, two, Cassandra said she delivers, she delivers every line the same way. And yeah. in the first, like her first, so many lines is how about we don't, how about no? And it's like, let's not. Yeah, and two time. hours. And it's just like, oh, dude, just be cool, man. Come on. Well, I think it would have worked better if they, you know, you were a little more endeared to her. And as she got there and she's dealing with old uh, baby, that she could have not liked her. And then you start to see her kind of be like, Ugh, I don't trust this bitch. And also, I, I would have bought more into it, I think. Also, road trips will tear you tear you apart with friends. Sure, 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 family, sure. Especially when you have, stuff. So I need to be a little bit more understanding. Especially Maybe when you have to be on a road shit. trip with uh, Chris Hardwick. Oh my God! Who, as his character Jerry, is a fucking dipshit. That would be a lot. Oh, then I have to put the. What if I didn't put the spare back in the car? It's just like uh, everything my micromanaging self would strangle. <laughs> so he goes. You had back one in. job. So he goes back in uh, and asks, oh, no, sorry. I guess you cut to uh, she's on the phone. Denise is on the phone with her dad. And, um, uh, you know, uh, you get that awesome, like, it's like a famous street. I think the Monster House is over there. But you get that awesome old-timey Halloween Eve night. The kids are trick-or-treating at night early. And uh, uh, that was a pretty cool Shot Isn't that a real? Halloween. If I'm remembering right, wasn't the house that her dad lived on kind of an ugly suburbia house? I mean, yeah, yeah. It was I just remember suburbia. thinking, man, I don't like this street. You know, for having the production value, I wanted something for '77 to look a lot more kind of something. I well, hell, where I live, College Hill, but it looked a lot more new, kind of suburbia, like it's built out by Derby. And I, anyway, I just remember thinking, God, this is almost too idealic American. Yeah, if that makes my, sense. Kind of almost like Edward Scissorhands or something, minus all the colors. It was kind of like... Minus, uh, minus all the fun. Yeah, I minus agree. All I mean, the fun. It, it, it worked. I'm sure his thought was, my God, I want the... What's the exact opposite of everything else in this film? Let's make these cookie cutter houses. But I was... Anyway, I just would have liked to see it look like it was from Halloween with... Uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, good point. Nitpick. Nitpick. I really like that actor that plays her dad. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, I wrote that down. Harrison Young. I he's don't remember great. what he's from, but he's awesome. Oh, no, he played old yeah. Ryan. In yeah, Friday. that's exactly what he's famous for. Because he looks so damn much like, what's his name? That when they showed him at the end of <laughs> Saving Private Ryan, I was kind of like, did they put makeup on him? Anyway. On Matt Damon? Mm-hmm. Look, he did a good job. So but I guess yes. spoilers for saving private Ryan. They do in fact save private Ryan and he they grows do. up to be an old I mean, man. Not so much for his brothers. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> sorry, Ryan. Sorry, Ryan Brothers. Uh, <laughs> it would be funny if that was your last name. I'm just, Ryan, hey, Ryan. Ryan, Ryan. So nice they named me twice. <laughs> well, that's a that's the old thing with the Mario Brothers. Oh yeah, that's yeah. their last name. Yeah, and then he's people calling Mario, so he's Mario, Mario, Mario. Yeah, and Luigi Mario. It's fucking confusing. Yeah. Uh, so we so we Italian. cut back to uh, the Italians. <laughs> God, I hate, I hate Italians. <laughs> so My get, family's Italian. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> so we get back to Spaulding's, and uh, Jerry's asking for directions to the tree uh, to the. Dr. Satan tree. And I love this moment because Sid is just, why the, why do you want to go out there? Like, what are you doing? And you, you kids kinda, don't want to run around those old houses. See, right. It's kind of like that. And it's kind of interesting because he doesn't, it's like he gives them, do you think he purposefully sends them that way? Yes. I think it's called plausible deniability. That's why when the cops show up later, he can say like, it's stupid kids. They wanted to, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, I just wanted them to get the fuck out of here. And then quietly he's like, I hope they're dead. No, I mean, did did he personally, did he purposely send them towards the, the firefly house? Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. That makes sense. Well, that's where he gets his sculptures. He he called ahead and told, uh, you know, baby, they threw baby out there and baby told him to pull in. The guy was ready with the shotgun and shot their tire. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. At the end when she's, well, I guess that's a dream sequence. But we know by uh, Devil's Rejects, he's obviously down with all them. Having seen Devil's Rejects so many times and still going back and watching this and realizing how actually disconnected from the family Captain Spaulding is. Right. Weirds me out because I feel like, A, that sucks for everyone else because they didn't ha- get to like share any screen time with him, which is terrible. B, uh, that there's such a cute little family unit of awful, awful murderers in the Devil's Rejects. Right. That um, you just assume that they spend the whole time palling around in this one. And you don't. It's weird. It always well, catches ass- me off guard. I'm assuming I have a shitty memory. So I have almost no memory of Devil's Rejects. I'd have to watch it again. (laughs) But knowing what I know, I'm assuming that, you know, we are looking at less than 24 hours of their lives in House of a Thousand Corpses. Right. So even with at the ending where she's, you know, in her torture induced vision of her at the car, you know, and Captain Spaulding has, uh, uh, what's his name? What is his name? Otis. Otis, thank you. In the back seat, I think they do pal around. I think he's just, I think uh, um, Spaulding's working his day job. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I know, like, I know their family. Like, I know that he's coming home at the end of the night, but. Uh, I know what you're saying. Morning, but, like, they haven't really established yeah. this connection, and suddenly it's, there's a big connection. I think it's kind of fun to know mm-hmm. suddenly, like, oh, shit, that adds even more, you know, oomph to uh, the House of a Thousand Corpses that. You guys are all tied in. I mean, we've been over this before. We talked about it in uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it's the same film. <laughs> to, me, there's, to me, I can't think of anything more terrifying than being an outsider in a world where law and order and everything else is pretty much just owned by the creepy locals. 
Well, and imagine being trapped in their living room. You don't have a car. Yeah, any of it. In the rain. And they're all so sweet. And they're just like, oh, it'll be fine. And you're like, oh, God. And at that point, thinking, guys, we should just leave and walk. They're not going (laughs) to go anywhere. They're going to kill them. I mean, they're dead at this point. And terrifying. Yeah, totally terrifying. So they get out in the rain. They go to find this Dr. Satan tree in the pouring rain for some reason. And uh, they find a hitchhiker. Text Chainsaw Massacre. It's a one-time yeah. marriage. makes sense. I think she's like, uh, we can't say anything. Maybe we should forego the fucking tree. What is the tree? I miss that. What's the tree? I think that's where he was buried or something or hung. Oh, okay. All right. The old Dr. Satan tree. Okay. And then like they went back and his body wasn't there or something. Right. He was never found. So it's just part of the legend. And I so, get the fascination of that. But yeah, on that particular night, it's like, you guys are going to go try to find this fucking tree. Anyway. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. And so I'm they glad it was baby. 77 because it made all the cars make more sense. Because when it first started, I was like, dude, these are not reliable cars. <laughs> but it's <laughs> 77. That's what people drove. Because I, yeah. Right, right. So when I went uh, to high school in 1980. I drove in 82 or 3. I drove a 1970 Plymouth Valiant four door. No shit. Car. But anyway, I'm just saying it would have fit right into this film. So I get that, that. But now, by today's standards, like, dude, you need to go somewhere and pray your car makes it. But anyway. Yeah, that was one of the giveaways when I didn't notice that it was actually taking place in 77. Like, I thought in Re- in Devil's Rejects, they retroactively said the actual date. And then that made sense for what the other one was. But yeah, no. I was like, all these cars are old and no one's got a cell phone? Even an old, early 2000s cell phone? And so, uh, yeah. It was, um, it should have been a bit more of a dead giveaway when I, if I just read the screen when it showed the date. I missed it until the last time too. When I was like, there it is blatantly. So yeah, they pick up Sherry Moon, a baby who's just standing there, which is, hers is a lot more believable because, and I'm not trying to sound like a douchebag, but you know, the hitchhiker from Texas Chainsaw, it's like, that's a psychopath. I'm going to go. <laughs> but she, you know, she's not, not that she's not weird, but she's, She's an attractive woman dressed fairly normal. I mean, you know, within reason with her little umbrella. And it's like, well, something's clearly wrong. Now, right. I've seen way too many horror films at this point that it's all a trap. That's <laughs> the bait. Yeah, you're like, uh, everybody's like, but you know, if you're, if somebody said a lie, oh, she looks so attractive. It's like, that's what they want you to think. But you, yeah. I mean, you would think, oh, dear God. But she doesn't seem alarmed. I think that would too. She just kind of, hey, and they just, okay, we'll pick her up. And it's great because when they first pick her up, I noticed this today, it's the only time in the film she seems remotely normal. She's kind of like, oh, I'm just I live up here. And she's kind of quiet about it. It's not until she gets home that the baby comes out and you're like, God, your voice would make me want to strangle you in that laugh. Yeah, I can't we think were of that laugh and not think of your wife. I know. It's great. I love it. it and, and that maybe that's why, like, I extra in love with the character and sherry moon in general i just adore her and i think she's super attractive and i always loved her and then you know multiple halloweens cassandra would be baby and she and i would be otis or something and she would just does the best like shoo shoo said the maiden (laughs) she's like 
come with me to my little rabbit hutch. And uh, I just, I adore it. And so it makes me good, very nostalgic good, and good, fond. Good. So, uh, so yeah, so needless to say, every time Sherry Moon's on screen, and I think Rob Zombie makes it a point at least once in every single one of his movies to show her almost bare ass or uh, like under boob or something. And, yeah. and I always go, well, this is why we're here, isn't it? Well, didn't he meet her on tour? <laughs> Wasn't she a go-go dancer on his tour? I feel like, yeah, I feel like I remember her from one of his oldest videos. I think he, I think he, I read he met her. I mean, she was one of the go-go dancers on stage, which is just what she did. She kind of oh. ripped. So look, how long ago was that? What a success story. I mean, these two weirdos found each other and they're just adorable. Yeah. They're so sweet together. And I love them. What I'm making is, you know, she's like, I'm nude all the time. You should be nude in this film. Fuck yeah, I want to be nude in this film. I mean, okay. This goes back to what I was saying a few episodes ago. Like if you're fucking into it and like own it, you know, if if you, yeah, like I'm not going to look down on someone because because they they're comfortable with that sort of thing and they they want to show you know show their body or whatever fuck yeah own it like it's power like use it anyways welcome to last and me woke <laughs> uh, uh, feminist minute with ryan johnson uh, i'm one of you ladies and Jesus if you want to Christ. show your jugs, you go right ahead. Yeah, not Famous for titillation with Ryan yeah. Johnson. Not for titillation purposes, because they're yours, and you can do with it what you fucking want to. I won't look, and I will not I, disrespect I will not. you. I will. I will look away. I'll look. <laughs> I'll look. So she's cracking me up. She's playing the song, and she's kind of being annoying. And everyone's just like, "What the? Okay, this is this girl's weird, but whatever." And then Rufus shoots out that tire like a fucking boss. And uh, you know, at first it bothered me. Then I went, "Oh no, there's enough storm and thunder. You probably wouldn't hear a shotgun, right. or it would be so off you just think it's your tire blowing." Yeah, that was really great because it's yeah. so blatantly like she's just like, "Oh no, here's my house. Bam! Oh, you have a flat." And it's like, yeah. <laughs> Only thing I, I thought about it was I realized it's rain is dark, but I was like, I guess maybe you wouldn't notice it if your tire had just been shot with a shotgun because it wouldn't just be flat. It'd probably have an explosion. But again, you might just think it's a blowout. So Yeah, it's kind of hard to see out there. It's raining. It's shitty. You don't care how it happened. You just know you, it happened. And then Jerry, of course, filled the spare, but didn't put it back in the car. Fucking idiot. And so you weren't like, I think, I think that's, uh, I think, again, I think he's Franklin. Another thing callback. He's the idiot. Yeah. He's the dumbass that everybody's like, this fucking moron. But <laughs> let's face it. Let's face it. Jerry represents a large uh, portion of the viewing audience. And I mean that in a good way. People who are just, woo! Just want to party and watch horror films and get crazy. Yeah, he's just having celebrate fun. That. Yeah, he's having fun. And he's a little bit of a dipshit, but he's young and get drunk, party. So yeah, I mean, I, I like the character. I'm just not super crazy about the actor but yeah. if i met him i'd still be nice to him he's not in my category of fuck this idiot well what's funny is i can't think of another film he was in like you know him from hosting things and you know him from nerdist or you know him from right. twitter you know him from after midnight and singled out and talking dead and all that sort of stuff so maybe you know maybe that was the thing maybe like he could just play Chris Hardwick and <laughs> well, and he, I it. should say this I'm backpedaling, but when I see him in newer stuff, I think he's become more comfortable as a host. Yeah. I just kind of remember the old one. He always just seems a little 
kind of, hey, Chris Hardwick mm-hmm. coming from. And it's like, I don't know. It's when people go into that mode, it just seems very insincere to me. Mm-hmm. So when I seem, especially in that wig, it just seems fake. But by the end of it, when he gets scalped, I'm like, this poor bastard's playing it well. <laughs> oh, 100%. So anyway, because the tire blown out, they go up there. Um, I love that uh, there's a point where uh, um, Baby takes, uh, what's his name? Bill? Thank you. I just want to call everybody by the actor's name. Bill, up to the house, and she's like, I only like to pull the arms and heads off these dolls and nail them to the wall. (laughs) And then she's kind of like, she just suddenly real drops all the whole character and is like, I got to go around back to let us in. She She just gets this real creepy about her, like, you stay here. And it's just like she drops baby for a second. It's really good because you kind of go, ugh, ugh, what's going on with her? Yeah, yeah. And she's kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah, I got to go do this. Uh, yeah, but it's like she hey, don't go anywhere. Down. And she was just kind of like, it, there was this undertone of like, hey, we're going to like, we're going to fuck around. Okay. So like, don't go anywhere, please. Right. Uh, I will be right back. I promise. Right. Like, it was kind of like a guy being like, oh, oh, sorry. Um, I, You know what? I'll be, I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. I got to go sneak through a window because I don't own a key. Yeah, we got yeah. a thing we're going to do. Uh, before they make it to the house, though, you get that quick cut with Otis talking to the cheerleaders. And it kind of lets you know kind of what's oh, at the house. Right. And he terrifying. is terrifying. He is like, Mar- not Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson. And I think, what did he say? Johnny... Johnny White, Johnny Winters. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, right. Look and the sound of Johnny Winter and Charles Manson combined. And yeah. And like I didn't know this before he has contacts in. I know. Reddish, orange. Ugh. They're weird. They're yeah. gross. He just looks gross and skeezy. And he's got that kind of weird. It's like his sideburns come down into hair. A long beard. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a long beard, but it's only like on the yeah. sides of his head. So it's like his hair goes down. It's fucking gross and uh yeah when he's like he looks like matthew wiseman <laughs> he's like got the he's like the thick encrustations on my brain and everything he's talking about this this block that he's been having that he can't yeah. create and yeah. he's not feeling inspired and it's this it's awesome i just there's this weird there's something about like the tortured artist in there that is is so strange and also and i love, like this, I, I love like that he's giving this speech to the women like they're supposed to be sympathetic like oh mm-hmm. we hate that you can't murder us in an artistic way you'll get through it you'll work through the block and it's and like he, he goes wanna, you know what fuck it <laughs> yeah that thing cracks me up fast forward is when they're downstairs she's like kind of like i think she mentions i don't know what otis is up to and i'm like this house isn't that big. These women are up there screaming bloody murder and building <laughs> of it. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Just, ah, they're just losing their mind being tortured and they're cut down. It's quiet and a little bit of rain outside. And I'm not sure where Otis is. I'm like, how's in that fucking big? She says, Otis, I don't know. Otis must be messing around up there somewhere <laughs> or something like that. And I love that line so much. Cause it's just like uh, big brother's probably messing around. God, it's so it's good. So good. Uh, so uh, so yeah, you get that vial that bam, bam, and he's like all that crazy psychobabble bullshit to these girls, and then he's just like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. Like it, I'm not getting through to any of you, and you're not helping me at all. You're not giving me what I want, and so then you just know he's just gonna kill them all. And then yeah, they cut back to uh, uh, Bill and Baby make it to the house, and um, they go inside. I think for fucking. 
hot chocolate or something. I don't know. This is where you should see this. So this is every scene in the film. Oh yeah, good for you. Only it jumps from one back to another, back to another, back to another, yes, and so it gets yes. real confusing. So yeah, we jump this around too. Yeah, I don't give a I shit. Done it because my memory, I'm just like, oh, I forget they go back there for a second. Uh, oh, that's right. Rufus goes to the car and scares them. There's the shit out of him as he should with that damn bear hair, <laughs> bear head on, and uh, what's his name is Henry Harry, Jerry. Jerry's smart enough to go. He's Gonna, he's bringing a tow truck. He's a goddamn tow truck guy. <laughs> he's just like, fuck. Even though part of me is like, whatever. Like you wouldn't, I mean, he screams too at first, but it's like, come on. Everything about this is just set up to make you shit your pants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so Rufus is so cool. I love how he just doesn't ever utter like hardly a line and he's just this big brute. Um, I, had to, I had to Google halfway through that film and now I know the answer to this, but I was like, is this the guy that played uh, Mike Myers in his uh, Halloween remake? And obviously it's not. It's oh, what right. The, who is it? What's his name? Ah, oh, fuck. That's the only one I didn't write down. I can't remember who played Rufus. No, 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 no. Rufus, I can show you that. I have this right here. Oh, you thought it was Tyler Maine. Tyler Maine, yeah. Robert right. Allen Mukes plays Rufus. Oh, that's right. Bobby but he's Mukes. so big, I just thought, oh, I bet this is the guy that goes and, you know, he uses him in that. Then I was like, oh, Tyler Maine. That's right. Okay. Sorry. Tangent. But yeah, he's a great <laughs> character. Good. So, yeah. Uh, so that's a pretty great scene. He scares him. You cut back to Otis, like a quick vignette of Otis murdering the cheerleaders, which is just gross. It's and- probably... That and the ending of this thing when they get to Dr. Satan, those are the parts that, you know, first of all, they're effective because he's doing what he's supposed to do for this film. But it's the only time where you kind of go, okay, it's not, this isn't as fun. <laughs> I know. It's so real. It just kind of like, Ugh. and I think that to go back to what we we're saying before, I feel like Ode is murdering the cheerleaders gets a little bit into, okay, this is all you need to do with this. This works. It's, you know, it's visceral. It's, you know, it makes mm-hmm. you feel uncomfortable as it should. But you feel like in later movies, he's just like, let's do 15 minutes of it. Right. Like, okay. Nah, you got the point across, dude. Right. Or, or before he kills them, he like sodomizes them or something. Right. And then right. it's like, that's a hat on a hat. You know, you don't need that. He's already a sadistic, disgusting murderer. He doesn't have to be a rapist, too. That's the thing. This one doesn't necessarily have any overt uh, raping. I almost said rapism. Like racism, but raping? Rapism. Rapism. Anyways, uh, uh, yeah, um, but it doesn't have, I don't think. You're right. I never never thought about it, but it obviously alludes to horrible things have happened to him. And that wouldn't, they don't, I don't think they even allude that that ever happened, but come on. Right. But then you get to his later films, Halloween. And like all these other ones, 31 is a perfect example. You've got Lou Temple, which has been in a bunch of his films and is awesome. And another guy and they're crazy killer clowns and they're disgusting at this old carnival thing and they're murderers and 31. And, but they're also going to rape you. And it's like, dude, these guys are disgusting. They're covered in blood. They're holding chainsaws. They're, they're literally there to kill you, hunt you and kill you. They're already disgusting. They don't also have to be rapists, but whatever. It's just his cliches start here 
and in rejects, but they become more cliches every movie. And so sure. every time he redoes it, it's like it becomes a trope of his own. Well, two things. One, I saw an interview with Kira Knightley once, and they said, why do you do so many period films? She, she said, because every time I get offered a modern script, I'm being raped in it. That's, I mean, that's, that's everybody's, that's everybody's go-to is the woman's going to battle back from her rape. And that hit me because I thought, well, yeah, I could see as a guy, it's easy to have that be the terrible anguish, you know, that they are going to revenge from or traumatize. And it, and it kind of bothered me because, I mean, obviously rape is awful, but from a writing standpoint, you think, why is that a guy thing to yeah. all these women be raped but anyway back to what i was thinking when you were saying what you were just saying is that you feel like with rob zombie and this goes for every artist on the face of the planet and it's one of my biggest problems i have with matrix two and three is that matrix one's a masterpiece oh thank you what are you doing in two and three well we're gonna do like 10 times as much no you don't know oh, just don't. do what you did in the first one no, we have to do 10 times more because we have more budget, more, more, more. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is Rob Zombie actually got less money as he went. But the, yeah. you feel like it's real easy in his defense to think he has to double down. Yeah. Well, I did that. I mean, if I'm going to come back, I'm Rob Zombie. My fans expect, no, no. I mean, maybe they do and fuck them. Just make good films. I mean, first of all, I'm not bagging on the guy for making a film that doesn't work. Obviously, that happens. It's easy as an artist. But I feel like what you're saying only described an artist feeling the need to always make stuff more, 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 more. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you don't have to put another hat on it. <laughs> yeah. It becomes like doing what you're doing. It becomes like, how can I shock you? Right. And That's it's my like, problem I, with torture porn in general. It's like, uh, I don't even care. Well, you know, I get it. Every year gets more fucked up and it's harder to shock people, but it's like, you can do it in a way that is, that is, you can do more off screen and have it be more shocking. You can do it in an interesting way and have it be more shocking than a 15 minute, you know, torture scene or something like it's just unnecessary. We become so desensitized that people think they need to do that. Like it's, it's a, it's just, it's a problem. But um, he starts to kind of fall into those tropes. And so I like in this one that it was gritty and gross and disgusting, but him killing those cheerleaders was very realistic, but it was a quick vignette. It was like shots right, and it was right. like this, this, boom, this, boom, 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 on to the next part. And um, Don't bore us, get to the chorus. There you go. And you know what the chorus is? The very next scene is uh, Sherry Moon Zombie walking in in... Uh, like long johns that are falling down off her ass carrying hot cocoa in a happy Halloween mug. And I said, well, I like everything about this scene. Well, and that's, <laughs> that's good writing because in everything they're going on, I love that uh, Bill is going, oh, uh, uh, that's pretty nice. Yeah, he's just and like, well, wow, people are sitting out in this car. <laughs> cleaning yeah, and he's like, well, things could be worse. He's so. in his nice new warm clothes that were uh, handed over to him. So he looks like a country bumpkin in his, yeah. in his uh, plaid and his overalls. And, and she's with marshmallows. seducing him with hot chocolate and marshmallows. And they ain't the only thing sweet in this house, honey. And all this sort of stuff. And, and other just, than maybe one other guy, he's not sure that they're, they're not completely alone for a little bit, you know. And it's good mm-hmm. writing until uh, mom comes in and everything starts to get like, okay, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. The car shows up and, uh, and the kids come, I keep calling them kids. The rest of the kids come in and, and then, yeah, introduce Karen Black as Mama Firefly. I guess she was really in charge of picking out her wardrobe and she wanted to go for, what do they call the lady that runs a brothel? Uh, madam. A madam. Yeah. She was really going for a madam of a brothel. She really wanted this. Which makes this it funnier whole, that like, that house was used in, uh, Best little whorehouse in Texas. There you perfect. go. Perfect. Perfect. And who was the madam in that? Oh, I don't know. I've never seen Best Little Whorehouse uh, in Texas. Only the greatest human being on face of the planet, Dolly Parton. Oh, no shit. I'm, I just finished Dolly Parton's America. You should listen to that on a you podcast. Should. It'll change your life. It's that good. Anyway, okay. Do you need to listen to that? So uh, Karen Black was could not have been more perfect. I know. We lost her in the other sequel. Uh, we lost her in two because of like negotiations or something ahead of time. So they brought in a different actress who was, she was great, but I could never get over the fact that it wasn't Karen Black. I mean, she was Mama Firefly and she's, she's so, she's got that drawl. She go, go see baby, go see if Rufus is done with these nice folks automobile. And it's just like, everything is just dripping. She's such a a horror institution. You know, they're just, that's him and Tarantino and people like that. I got to give credit. I love that they pull back people like, Oh, you got blah, blah, blah. You know? Well, yeah. Look at Sid Haig. Yeah. I don't think he was doing, I mean, I know he was probably still acting, but I don't think he was doing like, he wasn't a horror icon at the moment. I mean, he'd been in the day, back in the day, he'd been in about a bajillion things, all the way back to I had never heard of films and stuff. Yeah. He was in films well, with Cam Greer and all that. To uh, me, the best use of it in the last 20 years was the guys, I can't remember their name, but using our Lord and Savior, Rudger Hauer, and Hobo with Shotgun. Jesus, right? I was like, you only got the greatest human actor ever in the history of the world, oh Rudger Hauer, to come do your small... Fat, fantastic film and he's in his 60s doing all his own stunts and everything and you couldn't picture that film with anybody but Rudger Hauer now it's dude like, we gotta talk about Hobo with a shotgun one of these days that oh that movie rules it's on every level and they were gonna do a sequel and he's dead you can't let it be <laughs> um, I'm so, allergic to sequels that don't use Rudger Hauer yes don't do it do not do it. You can do a whole nother hobo with a shotgun. I don't care. Just don't fuck with the lineage of this one. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just love Rutger Hauer so much. <laughs> Greatest film ever made, Blade Runner. Greatest character in any film is Roy Batty, played by Rutger Hauer. There. I just want to state that up front. There you go. It's on the record, folks. You can print that. Greatest performance, greatest character in movie history is Rutger Hauer, played by, or I mean, uh, Roy Batty, played by Rutger Hauer. And, uh, and um, uh, to bring it all around, he, uh, what's his famous line? I want more life, fucker. Which is in the song More Human Than Human, which yes! I didn't know until oh only a few God. years ago that it was about Blade Runner. <laughs> yes, yes. It's about replicants. Oh, my God. More human than... That's the motto of the Tyrell Corporation. Yeah, more human than human. Oh, God. Look at you. Good job. Look at that. Look, Look at that. It all it's, came around. It's like we scripted this or something. We're only an hour and a half actually, I'm actually sitting here basking in that for a second. Good. To me, Do. the Do. idea of pop culture all kind of engaging itself like that. That's exciting. Good for good for everybody involved. Let's give a round of hand for everybody involved. Good job, everybody involved. That's hilarious. Uh, For a second, I was like, where is he going with this? (laughs) 
Karen Black of Mama Firefly gives the greatest story about, um, I think it's right here. If it isn't, I don't care. Uh, she talks about Tiny and she's like, uh, she says, um, yeah, his his daddy, he, oh my God. She's like, he didn't ever hit me or nothing, but one day he just went up and devil on us and he lit Tiny on fire and he tried to burn the house down and all this sort of stuff. And I think she's talking about Earl, the professor, who is the big beast thing that you see at the end of the film. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she tells this amazing story about Tiny and, and it's, it's just so, so sweet and awesome. Um, I, I just, I love that moment. And Tiny is Matthew McGorry. Oh, he died man. a couple of years after. He was only like 33 when he died. Yeah, he had the, he was a, he had the giant thing and it took him early. He was amazing. He was in Big Fish. Mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of other great stuff. Actually, I mean, I wrote down a list. Uh, I started realizing once I was like Sid Haig and then Matthew McGorry, I was like, oh shit, we've lost a ton of people from this film. I made a little list. Uh, Dennis Fimple, who played Grandpa. Right. He didn't, last even, movie. he didn't even get to see it come out. He mm-hmm. died in 02. Apparently he was like fighting oh, a heart right. disease forever. But that wasn't what took him. He got he was in a car crash and he yeah, died. But good. I guess he was like really sick and stuff when he was doing the showtime scene, but he still brought it for his incredible stand-up, which was very Sam Kinison esque. Yes. Uh Karen Black, we lost in 2013. Uh Matt McGrory was in 05. Tom Towles, who plays uh Deputy or Sheriff Wydell. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, he's he from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Okay. Uh, he died in 2015. Obviously, we lost Sid Haig in 2019. And then the guy that played Stucky or whatever his name was, uh, that uh, the Dr. Zayas doll uh, guy, oh, right. Michael J. Died. Pollard. Yeah, he just died in 2019. And those are just the ones that I found. I couldn't think of anyone else off the top of my head. But, I mean, there was like six people I was watching this film that isn't, I mean, I mean, it's well, old, but I mean, it's not in the defense, old. it was made 21 years ago. God, it just doesn't that seem shocking. like that long ago, you know? Well, I had no idea it sat around as long until it really was released. I mean, four years before it even came out after it was done. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, anywho. Um, so, yeah, they, uh, they hang out and they get to meet Mama Firefly and she invites them to dinner. Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. And uh, I love the dinner scene so much. Those you masks. Were, those masks are incredible. Very old school, handmade. Grandpa like, eating with those things, and the food's coming out of his mouth with that mask. Apparently, like, Put it up. yeah. Go ahead. Apparently, he just kept eating. Like he was really eating in all those scenes, <laughs> and he just kept doing it. And they were like, "Dude, you better take it easy." And he was just like, "No, fuck it." Just kept going for it. But I, I think mean, it's great. He was like, "Got any more? This is delicious." Did you have a favorite mask out of the crew? Like one that really stuck out? Well, no. The only one that really stuck out to me was Bill's. For some reason, correct? Literally, me. I didn't have a big old dick nose on the end of it. That was my favorite. And, and uh, Grandpa, I just liked it because the food's coming out of his mouth. At one point, doesn't he say something like? Just put the mask on because we're basically not going to start unless we're wearing any damn mask. And he's already <laughs> eaten, which I like. It's just like he's done it so many times. Like, just put the stupid mask on. Yeah, oh. she ain't going to let any of us have dessert until you put this goddamn mask then on. Then Otis honestly. shows up with, uh, the, what is the, the like, fetus or whatever? Who is that? Okay. For starters, it seems like he literally just gets up off the couch and walks into the room. So, like, <laughs> was he just sitting in the other room this whole time? Like, right very, there? She's very excited that he decided to join him. With Wolf. 
apparently the conjoined twin fetuses that are in that that jar. Yeah. I I only found this out through like uh, the uh, commentary because I never noticed what was in there either. And she says, Oh, and you brought little Wolfie or something like that. And uh, so Wolf is the name of the babies that is in that jar. And it's a conjoined twin fetus. There's also another one that's in Tiny's room. You see okay. it a little bit more prominently. But uh, yeah, I guess that's just a member of the family. Um, some fe- fetuses or dead babies or something. I don't even fucking know. It's crazy. It's gross. It I'm sure since of- it's, I have to think that there's a lot of stuff like that. Because he talked about being so excited being at Universal you know, when he first just was there and cause it's universal, you know, they have everything everywhere. You know, I'm sure every building's like, Oh, here's all the props. Here's all the mass department. And he said, I just wanted to li- live there. I'm sure when they went to make this, that brought that. I bet he didn't write that. I bet he went and went, Oh my God, what's that? Like, oh, it's just this. Can we use that? Yeah. You know, so there's, I would be shocked if there wasn't a lot of stuff that props brought in. He's like, Oh, it's kind of like David Lynch. Like we're just going to put that in the scene. That whole so, thing is amazing to think that he's still making movies and like has such a passion for it and everything nowadays that to be the fan that he was of old school universal monsters and all of that stuff, pretty much and first universal. and foremost and be at universal to work on a thing. And then they're like, essentially like saying, well, you got anything you're working on? And he just goes, uh, duh, uh, duh. yeah, uh, I got a movie. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a movie. And they go, cool, well, let's make it. And then, I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's like, someone yeah. just says, let's make it. It's like a, a script. We'll go into production. It's let's insane. Go. I mean, well, you just got to go, um, yep. I'm going to give chance. you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a speech right now. And at the end of it, you're going to talk me off this cliff. Are you ready to, yeah, uh, you're going to be my life coach at the end of this. Uh, oh God! Okay, let's do if it. This, if this doesn't go right, this is on you. If this does not Guys. go, right, this is for the rest of your life. You're going to have to live with the fact that you did not handle this properly. I believe okay. watching this film, especially this film, yeah, especially this film, because I'm watching it, and there's been this kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say depression. Maybe depression, sadness that has washed over me and probably during this pandemic of filmmaking and the fact that uh, we know for a fact filmmaking is hard, right? True. True. Really hard. Really hard. Don't let somebody tell you otherwise. It's fucking hard. So if you're going to do something to the level of House of a Thousand Corpses, what I find depressing for me, only me as a filmmaker, is I sit there and I go, well, yeah. Alec talks about this all the time. Alec Waltershot. He's like, well, yeah, if you got, you know, he'll say something like $30 million and 200 people on a crew, you can do anything. Well, we don't. And we probably never will. I mean, I'm only talking about our brew film. I'm not saying you won't be on a production where, you know, you're hired to work with this kind of setup. But for me, it's like, oh, shit. We have enough trouble having finding time to make one mask. You know what I mean? And I look at something like this and he talks about having kind of the full force of universal behind him. And I'm thinking as an artist to be able to come in with the script and they go, yeah, cool. Right. Yeah. Oh, you have some sketches. Cool. Well, our production designer is going to come back with everything. Okay. We're going to do this. I mean, just what I thought of it and it now exists as an artist. I mean, I, 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 I'd probably be weeping the whole time we're making it like here it is. It actually exists. And I sit there and think, God, I'm always thinking about what could be 
Arbor Films' first feature, I've been thinking the last few days about a simpler idea that can be shot in like three or four days, which is great. And I'm saying, not saying we should do it or shouldn't do it, but the ideas are like, well, yeah, it's void of anything that has to be prepared in any way, shape, or form because everybody's so busy. Everybody's, well, then help that we're in a pandemic. And I, I just, I look at these things and I think Rob Zombie getting to the point, probably looking back and going, God, now it's like I have less money. I probably have to, everybody has to work 10 times as much to make something that Universal just went, yeah, we got it. We'll add 30 more people on that crew to build that. And uh, I sometimes go, are we ever going to make anything that is even in this ballpark? Because who has enough time to make anything anymore? Does that make sense? We do. (laughs) Um, I think just to touch on that, I agree with you. When every movie you watch, every thing that is just done so well, even done cheaply, big air quotes, for the people oh, at home that can't see me, even cheaply for a million dollars or $500,000 or something. Um, yeah, there it's a huge undertaking and a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of people and all of those things. Um, one, I think our crew is bigger and mightier than, uh, than we give it credit for. Uh, I think that we can band together with the proper scheduling and all of those things and band together. And I think we'll have a lot of people at our backs that could do it. And I think if anyone could make a fucking film, a feature film with a thousand dollars or something like that, it's our group film. Um, I I think we've been planning for this and we'd be able to, to do things on the cheaper end because you think about it, even if someone, this guy had $7 million and Universal's back backing him. Yeah. Are we going to be able to build a Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men with all the neons and all the set deck and all that sort of stuff or the cave systems? No. But we find a way around it and that sometimes ends up being really creatively almost even better for it. Um, I think that it's hard right now because everyone feels like they're not doing anything. um, Yeah. Because it's a pandemic and it's hard and we don't feel like we're going anywhere and we're ever going to go anywhere. And it seems hard to schedule things, but... I think, uh, you know, with the right plan in place and enough lead time, we can get a good enough crew together to knock some stuff out. And if even if it takes a year or so to make it or longer or whatever, I think I think we can do it. And it doesn't have to cost seven million dollars. It'd be really cool if it did. But with seven million (laughs) dollars comes more problems and more crew that's not going to show up and more people you don't know and all that sort of stuff. You know, well, we it's like, I don't know. Her. I can't remember her last name. She was so good in uh, Take 36 and one best uh, actress, Victoria. Oh, Victoria. Yeah. I don't know her last name. Victoria Gayer. Okay. But uh, I worked with her on one Gooding video and she was awesome. And back and forth on Facebook, she's, I, she said, hey, you know, I work behind the scenes too. And anytime Art Brute needs me, I'd be there in a heartbeat, you know, to help in any way. Mm-hmm. And I got the feeling that she would. Because people say stuff like that all the time, and we, we both know that then it's time, and it's like they don't show or they don't work. But you know, I worked with her, and she was a total pro. And I'm guessing totally. Point being, I'm only using her as an example of. Mm-hmm. I've had to tell myself sometimes that if you made a feature in like seven days, hypothetically, mm-hmm. there's a chance if everybody going into it knows, other than being fed, they know no one's being paid. I mean, this is literally being done for the love of 
making a film, there's probably more people bigger than just Art Brute Films core. You know, it's like instead of seven people making it, maybe there's 14. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. And, and I, we all know the excitement, even though you can feel like, I mean, you just made a feature film. And I remember talking to Alec. I mean, there's times where you're like, I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> oh yeah it's such a marathon but it's also an exhilaration i've worked on a couple of feature films just to know you may be physically exhausted but you made something especially when it's done and it's exciting and it'll outlive you hopefully and especially my dream and i know it's all of our dreams in arbor film is to make something with just enough wacky characters that cult-wise it will live on behind you know beyond you and have a little bit of a following and people will dress up as some of these characters for halloween and all these things, or maybe uh, a couple role play in their bedroom. <laughs> but, that's the real goal here. Yeah, that's not the real goal. But uh, you know, anyway, that no. was my. It was a great answer. We'll get back to the film, but yeah, yes. that really hit me for some reason watching this one. That you kind of go, God, it's all there. You know, it's yeah. all there. It's all on screen. Yeah, spent every one of the fucking dollars, and I just read that there's now saying eh, it might have been more like fourteen million. Once it was all done. So, oh my God. I because, think, well, I told you what insane. he said. He goes, I know that the reshoots, he said, which weren't much, they spent more on that than I did on my last whole film. Oh, you know, yeah. This was like, oh, whatever you need. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at, look at, I don't remember what he did, what he spent on, on 31 or like three from hell. And I mean, I know that at that point he's like crowdfunding for that and stuff and kickstarters and things. It's crazy. Um, but uh, I mean, you look at what you said about Adam green and, you know, Victor Crowley costing $400,000. And again, you know, that was like, he's still in debt on a bunch of stuff for that, but you know, nope. they were able to ever want to be in debt. Well, no, no. And that's why you find people that like movies and want to be a part of one that have money. <laughs> we go, we go out and Is there anybody in Wichita that loves horror films and wants to pay for our group films for first feature film. And I, you're not an asshole. Please talk to us. Please um, email me at, I would love to take your investment. <laughs> We're not promising. We're not promising that you'll get a film back, but just give us money. Yeah, but uh, no, I think it's doable, and that's another podcast about uh, you know attacking uh, a first feature film. But uh, yeah, it's doable, and we'll bring in a bunch of other people that are excited to be a part of the project, and I'll help manage them or something. And you you can just worry about directing, and we'll 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 make this a reality. I also want to introduce a new segment I haven't told Ryan about. I'm going to do it right now, which is Ryan's going to talk for 30 seconds while I go pee. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, so let's see here. I've been wanting to talk more about his other films. So while Wade is gone, you know, I guess let's get into it. All right. So we talked about Halloween one, love it or hate it, whatever. It's a vision and it's a Rob Zombie vision. And I just don't, man, I just don't. I get, I'm too old for the same old uh, peckin' paw, uh, hillbilly, awful rapist people. And it's just, fuck, man. I just can't. The second one, Michael grunts through the whole thing. Every time he kills someone, he's like a pro wrestler, which I think he actually is. And he looks homeless and he doesn't wear the mask half the time. And I know that people like it more because it's even more of an original vision. Whatever. I don't care. I don't care to see Danielle Harris get killed a second time on screen, totally naked, while she crawls on the floor crying for help. It makes me, it bums me the fuck out. Lords of Salem, I will say. I agree. 
Wade agrees. Lords of Salem. I, I only got through two films. I was trying to get through the rest of his filmography. Lords of Salem. Oh, I'm a, hold on. Looks I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah, go take a poop real quick. Uh, Lords of Salem looks beautiful, and I think it tries a lot of cool things, but it falls into the same issues, 70s music, the same characters. Sherry Moon leads it, and I love her to death, but I don't know if she's a, the lead. Uh, I love you, Sherry. Anchor. Right. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot to love and it's real fucking weird and it's got some real witchy stuff. But again, I just go, eh. and then, I mean, if you talk about 31, it's, that is, that is running man in an abandoned amusement park in the seventies. It is. If you said Rob zombie, what is Rob zombies? The thing he can't screw up. It's that it's an abandoned amusement park and murderers and it's his own. It's Rob Zombie's redneck running man. Got to stay alive. Got to survive. It was fucking weird and it was lame and stupid. And the only great thing about that film was Richard Brake in the opening of it as this clown talking right to the camera and Richard Brake fucking rules. Yeah, I did see it. And suddenly I'm like, I think I saw this. I think you watched it. The best part. And then it was like, yeah, there were a bunch of wacky characters. And there was like, I don't know. It was just, it was like boss battle after boss battle. And it it wasn't any good. They already did that. It was called Manhunt. It was a video game and it was way better. Anyways, I don't want to talk about Three from Hell. Boy. It was nice back to have to Otis and Baby back. For God's yeah, sake. we're gonna we're not even halfway there. I think. Uh, okay, so let's see. Let's skip some stuff. B- baby doing her makeup. Give me a B. Give me an A. Oh yeah. Give yeah. me a B. Yelling at oh. the cheerleaders. Baby, she's so great. She's so great. Um, and uh, and then so yeah, we're back at dinner for dessert, and you get the legend of Doctor Satan with Otis. That's when he comes in. Uh, he's talking about uh, another great line. Is he's a I'm, I bet you'd, uh, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you'd see hell. And um, he also says, uh, "Oh, that old bitch hog, that old he don't know shit." <laughs> when he talks about Spalding, and I love that line. And he also says one more line, and I'll quit hogging the mic. He says, "He don't sell no Yankee boys, no truth." What does he say that everybody like replies to? He says, uh, oh, no, that's right. That was the other line. He says, um, he said, I bet you stick your hell in a fire if I told you to see hell. Meanwhile, uh, you're, your ass on fire and you're saying, holy Miss Moly got, or meanwhile, you got a demon up your ass screaming, holy Miss Moly got me a live one. Is that what everybody screams? Got me a live one? Yeah. I told yeah, myself I right. would do my Otis voice for everybody's yeah. and I haven't yet. Um, Let's hear it. Do you like what you see? It's not very good. Also, it adds a lot in here. <laughs> That's pretty good. And he goes, uh, why? Why, you ask? Why is not the question. How? That, uh, fuck, I always fuck that line up. Uh, he goes, how does someone by such con- conventional means? Anyway. That's good. It was like I was there. Oh, my God. That's one of my dream roles to play Otis, oh, but he already he, played it too well. God, he, he freaking nailed it. So we go, does this go to the talent show? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into showtime. Uh, showtime. You it's know, showtime. I want to say one thing about the dinner scene. Go. Because as the few little things that we've made, it's really hard to find a lot of candles. <laughs> and I'm always Come cracking on. me up in how many films people have like 900 candles and they're all lit all the time. And I'm like, have you ever tried to find many candles? And keep Even them all lit? Keep them all lit. Even if you have a Dollar Tree next to you, 
a lot of candles is hard to do and they're really expensive. And it's like an overused trope in horror. It's like, oh, you want to go into this room? Oh, there's already 900 candles already lit. Anyway, we just do that all the time. And it's like, uh, that doesn't happen in real life. I just you go, it's that. sexy in here. <laughs> <laughs> all these candles. Also, like, I oh, worry yeah. about continuity yeah. issues, like candles dripping down that you're filming oh, a scene sure, for, for sure. an hour or two, especially a big dinner scene. You've got so many coverages. Like, that's something, it always looks real oh, cool, but right, it's so right. hard because you got to cover that thing. That was a chainsaw. And they're all going down, down. I would say it probably helps when they're really big because big candles don't tend to melt as quickly True. as like those skinny ones. But anyway, back to that. It's actually a good segue to the uh, talent show because one of the things that cracked me up about the talent show, which is probably a, a critique I have through the whole film, is like, again, everything's perfect. Yeah. It's like the most wonderful place on earth. I mean, the way everything's lit and all that, you're just like, ah, it's so nice, but everything's lit up great. And She's got a big old spotlight back there. Yeah, everything's like, just kind of, well, the production design in these people's home is amazing. And there were times where I just was like, some of this stuff doesn't fit with other rooms because other rooms just look like, oh gnarled hell and then they get into some rooms and it's just like showtime and it's i realize that's the point of the film but i just remember going god everything's so beautiful and perfect in this room but the stage was fantastic it was it was amazing yeah and grandpa's just screaming pussy like (laughs) and just like oh my god what's happening i love that jerry is loving it like to the point that he gives him a standing ovation oh yeah 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 well and i that's a good through line with him is that everybody else is kind of rolling their eyes and he's yeah (laughs) yeah and i love that punchline he he delivers that punchline and i love a punchline when you don't know the actual joke because he just goes he stops. He's like, you're going to wake grandma. <laughs> and, and it's just like that brought down the house. Jerry's loving it. Everyone else is like, what the fuck is happening right now? Right, right. And it's, uh, what's her name? Mary is like, is our car ready? That's yeah. all she cares about. <laughs> Instead of, it, it, it's funny because if you really were in that in real life, I would be terrified. But at the same time, I'd be thinking, God, what? I wish this, I wish we weren't going to die because this is really great. Yeah. Like, how could you, like, how lucky are you? You stumble on this, you get a Halloween Eve show with yeah. that kind of production value. Sherry Moon comes out and just, she's just a knockout as yeah. like this weird, like her hillbilly version of 1940s or something. Like, Marilyn Monroe meets Betty Boop meets yeah. something. Yeah, it's I beautiful. Be loved by you. And then Mary pushes like, her ass on the floor, and holy hell starts happening. I like the the split screen that they do in that scene because it's like you don't want to cut away from her performance, but you want to show their reactions. And yeah. Bob was like, "And it's a pretty seventies thing to do." So I just did split screen for half of it, and it's like you either get like two of her or one of her and one of the kids reacting. And, and I love it. There's just kind of a lot going on there, and it seemed like the perfect way of of never having to cut away from anyone because you could just show us all angles at the same time. Yeah, that was a great scene. Beautifully done. She turns she turns into baby real quick. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, what are you going to do? She's like, I'll, I'll cut your fucking tits off. <laughs> like, shove them up your ass. Isn't that what she said? <laughs> yeah, up your ass or down your throat. Either way, not a place where I'd want my tits shoved. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, they have that little vignette, or I don't know if you call it vignette, early on where they show her in that little uh, montage where they just introduce her and she says, like, you got to do what you want to do in this world. If someone needs to be killed, you got to kill them. Yeah, right I guess that goes was- up. They just kind of go, okay. Yeah, I guess that was like a like a the Manson girls had some things like that. They they found like some I don't know. I, I never really wearing these uh, things. Yeah, where the girls are just kind of like, yeah, you do what you got to do. If you got to kill someone, you kill them. You know, it was like uh, um, that kind of style of like talking right to the camera. It's got to be a weird because I don't consider myself or your you being this way, but the uh, the Rob Zombies of the world. I mean, Marilyn Manson seems like someone who kind of lives it, obviously, more. But Rob Zombie it seems like somebody that, you know, I've seen tours of his home. And even though it's a lot of horror memorabilia, he's just a dude. Mm-hmm. He eats vegan. He tries to stay healthy, all this kind of stuff. And I'm sure Sherry Moon's the same way. But then you're obsessed with Charles Manson. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, that's not me. I mean, I kind of, when people are like obsessed with that kind of stuff, I'm good for them, but I'm like, nah, da, 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 da. I'll watch a documentary, but I don't want to be obsessed with uh, the killers of the world and stuff. But I anyway, love but, it, but I definitely, yeah. You but know, you know, it's, posters it's, all over your walls and you're true. not talking about it all the time. You don't have a big tattoo of Manson. You know, it's just, right. I'm not knocking people that do. I'm just right. saying, yeah. I find it interesting into. people who can kind of split those two worlds. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, at the end of the day, I want to sit on my comfy couch and, you know, enjoy a mimosa and da da da. But there's some people who are just like, coming to my house, it's a shrine to Charles Manson. You go, yikes. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, and I feel yeah. like he kind of treads the line or, uh, you know, between those two worlds. And I think this film is a little bit of a testament to it when you're telling me stuff like that. Cause I'm like, Oh, I just thought he did it. Cause it sounded cool. It's like, no, right. Charles Manson murders. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, well, cause he even references um, in the very beginning, Jerry in the car is reading the book, reading Helter Skelter. And he's like, these Manson uh-huh. girls are pretty cute. Um, so uh, yeah, there's, there's some definite through lines there. So, yeah, she's going to cut her fucking tits off. And then Rufus busts through the door and says, car's ready. I find it weird that he went and actually fixed the car. Like, why didn't they just keep him there if they were going to keep him? But maybe they like the thrill of of going after him because there's this elaborate thing where he has now fixed the car tire so that they could drive out of there only to catch them before they leave in the most terrifying scene of the whole film, I think, for me. I- I agree, and I thought exactly what you did. I was like, boy, it's a lot of work just to kill him. <laughs> you like, have them in the house already. Oh, uh, the, the fly is back. Road giant killer fly. Mothra has returned. Um, yeah, it is a great scene with them jumping off their little crosses and stuff. But at the same Ugh. time, I was laughing because I kept thinking, what, what, what? You fixed that car? Yeah, you didn't have to shoot it in the first place. They were coming in. But anyway, yeah. And so um, I would suspect based on how this crazy family is, this is all kind of they they like to have fun. This is the game. It's all part of the game. You know, this is the this is the all Hallow's Eve kind of wackiness. And let's play this and you get to do this and let's have dinner and put on our mask and then let's chase these people. And yeah, to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think later on when the when uh, the one girl runs in the rabbit suit, um, uh, someone's like, "Get her!" 
I'll fucking Rufus get her. And then baby goes, no, let me get her. And he's like, all right, fine, go ahead. And she goes, I think she legitimately says whoopee and like runs off after. Cause she's like, yeah, I get to run and chase someone down. And yeah, yeah. I don't usually get to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Run rabbit run. Um, (laughs) so uh, yeah, that, that fucking, uh, man, see, like getting killed and kept in the shed and all that stuff is, is crazy and creepy and, and scary. But this, this beat down outside of the car in the rain by these crazy kind of rednecks seems so much more feasible than someone turning me into a fish boy that that to me hit me in this, this spot where I was just like, that's terrifying where they're just going to sneak up on you and just whoop the shit out of you and take you all. And it's just like, Oh, well, it's back to what I was saying earlier. I mean, just that, you know, not having a car, being stranded, being hope, help, helpless rain. You don't know where you are exactly. You don't know how to get away, especially when you know that maybe you can't get away that this family at this point is like, you're a mouse and they're the cat. They can just kind of play with you before they kill you. It's, it is terrifying. I agree. Yeah, you get into the fish sculpture and all that. And it's fun from a, a, a horror standpoint, but it doesn't bother me. It's kind of like, well, that's fake. But just having, just running from somebody who's clearly could take you out at any point. I really liked Tiny because he was such a great character. He's ultimately harmless. Mm-hmm. I mean, he even lets the one girl go when she says, let me go. And he goes, deek. Yeah, so good. Knock yourself out. I don't care. And but (laughs) he should be the most menacing of all of them. He's not. Just sweetheart. And I thought that's good writing because Mm -hmm. there's so many awful people in this. I mean, Otis and Baby alone. You're like Jesus. But anyway, oh my God, the Devil's Rejects opens with this incredible shot in the woods, and it's just like these open woods, and it's kind of dusty and everything. And then you just hear this sound and you realize it's tiny. And he's just dragging a dirty, dead, naked lady through the dirt, just like. (laughs) And you're just like, what the fuck? (laughs) And it's like right at that point, it's like cop car. And they're going to go swarm the house. But just seeing him, it kind of this like, He's in, at that point, he's in, like, overalls and, like, a plaid shirt. And he's just kind right. of, like, he's not wearing a mask, I don't think. So you just kind of see his face as he turns and sees the cops go by. And they don't see him. But it is disgusting. But it's really creepy and cool and kind of takes away from a, that lovable scamp. Oh, oh wow. It is tiny. <laughs> but, again, <laughs> it's kind of a Leatherface thing. You kind of do what you're told, I think. Sure, to sure, 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 sure. So do they cut? Is this the point where it ends up being the next day? Um, and they get beat down. And I mean, I think it's still the same night. I think it's all still the same night because uh, you get like a quick thing with Denise's dad and the sheriff. And then it cuts back to Mary with Otis and she's there in the dunce cap. And that was that scene oh, that right. I was talking about earlier. And I pulled up the dialogue because it's insane. He says, shut your mouth. I said, shut your fucking mouth says, listen, you Malibu middle-class Barbie piece of shit. I'm trying to work here. Work. You ever work? Yeah, I'll bet you have. Scooping ice cream to your shit heel friends on summer break. Well, I ain't talk about no goddamn white socks with Mickey Mouse on one side and Donald Duck on the other. I ain't reading no funny books, mama. Our bodies come and go, but this blood is forever. And it's just like, dude, 
I want all of it. I live for it. It's uh, <laughs> it's insane. That's a great line. And then he, yeah. And then he, she says, "Where's Bill? Oh, Bill. <laughs> Bill's okay." And I love that because he just like turns it, and all of a sudden he's like, "Man, he's great. That guy's really yeah. cool. He got me through a really intense creative block, <laughs> and I'm really appreciative for him." You want to see him? <laughs> I mean, and then you get Fish Boy, and it's just like. Yeah, it's like, okay, he's done. He's done. Because, you know, in some of these films, people either uh, make it out or they somehow conveniently keep him alive. But that one is like, nope, Bill's done. That is, he is quite done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't come back from that. Only thing would be better if he was still slightly alive somehow, like a tube in him. So his face would go like, kill me. Well, and then you actually get to see what happened to him, and that's all the more fucked up because they do it to set to brick house, and oh, it's in like these weird vignette. Like I don't know. I think that was another thing they shot after the fact in Wayne Toff's little studio. Uh, yeah, the special yeah. effects guy from this film, which I should g- give a shout out to Wayne Toff. He did a really great job, and he's done all of um, Zombies films. He's worked on mm-hmm. a ton of other stuff, but uh, mainly like all of Rob Zombie's films. Have That's awesome. He's really done some good work, but yeah, they're cutting him up. And that scene was a little long for my liking, but I do like a good torture scene set to upbeat music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when it's slow motion, a la Reservoir Dogs or mm-hmm. something. You know, yeah. it's just oh, yeah. kind of yeah. like do 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 doodly do. I'm gonna cut your face off. And you're like, Gah. gross. Oh, this is relentless so you get the so the cops show up to uh the uh spaldings and they're going to interrogate uh cap spalding and try and figure out where these kids went and so you got tom towels as sheriff whitell and you've got walton goggins who has went on to be one of my like favorite people in the world oh, to watch sure, he was on justified and he was on the shield he's and, so perfect. i mean he's was on predators and like, he's just so good. He's so good. He played a transvestite, I think at one point on uh sons of anarchy. Very. Mm. Uh, it, yeah. It was insane. Anyways, he's so great as Nash. I think is his name in the film. I like how everything about him, just like he dipshit. <laughs> just the whole thing about him. He didn't just come on, you dumb piece of shit. He's yeah. kind of us at this point. He's the viewer just going, God damn it, you bunch of fucking idiots. Get to the point. And uh yeah, what's funny is he's like this cop that kind of talks a big game, and then you see him later on, and he's just cowering at a dog, at Otis. He drops his gun. Like I got big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. He almost removed my baby toe. <laughs> Yeah, the very conflicting stories about the dog that bit him. One was it when I was eight, and another was an ex-girlfriend's. So, yeah. or maybe it was his ex-girlfriend's when he was eight. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he just got started very young. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like when Captain there. Spaulding comes out all pissed off about them dinging that bell, and then he realizes it's the police wearing his pigs is delicious shirt. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he goes. He does this amazing thing where he's like, I don't know, man. Look, I told him to go to this thing. Whatever, it's good for my tourist trade. And like, he kind of yeah. drops all the bullshit. And he's like, What are you gonna do, man? Like, I just told him to go see this tire, like this old bullshit. Like, they probably got lost. What? What? What do you? Why are you here talking to me? Right. They're kind of giving him shit, and he kind of finally gets fed up with it, and he just goes, Well, I don't rightly know. Maybe them dumbass kids got themselves lost. 
And you're just like, <laughs> he's just fucking with them. He's just like, yeah, I don't have to tell you shit. Why don't you yeah, fuck exactly. off out of here? And uh, yeah, so that, that was an incredible scene. Um, you got that weird dream sequence. I didn't realize until this viewing that all these weird little solarized montages and everything are all dream sequences or like something from someone's head, like their inner thoughts or or stuff like that. And this what moment, was that one? This one was Denise's dream sequence where she's like running through the the like valley and then she comes upon the Dr. Satan tombstone, but then it also cuts in the footage of the skunk ape wife and the other guy talking about this weird Bigfoot thing that they saw that like violated her or something, which was a storyline that they completely cut out of the film. Right. Cause it just was even more confusing, baffling shit that didn't need to be there. And um, she sees the doctor, Dr. Satan tombstone and it like drips blood. And then a thing pops out of the ground, like all goofy, like, and <laughs> I guess he solarized it because it looked cheap and goofy. And so oh, like the tombstone fun. set up and everything. So it makes it really uncomfortable. So you got that. Denise wakes up in tiny's room. He's sweet. Yeah, He's a sweetie. I think that that whole, I think the reason I like that scene so much is it didn't play out the way he thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's eating, first of all, he's eating that damn cereal out of a dog hole, isn't he? And I didn't notice that. Cassandra noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> like, which is like everything about it's kind of wonderfully disgusting. And she's just, you know, you think he's obviously not going to let her go. And she says, I want to leave. And he goes, okay. And he just does her ropes, like knock yourself out. And it's kind of like, oh, oh. I like the idea of him just being like, I, I, I don't even know what's going on. I'm just trying to eat this fucking cereal. Right. You know, it's, it's like, oh, I go. Well, then, then go. That's fine. And does, uh, what's his name? Doesn't, uh, does he jump in at her right then? Yeah, he stops her right then when she's trying to leave, doesn't she? Yeah, he's just like, lets her go. He's like, fine, go. And then uh, she's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And then, yeah, Otis comes out of nowhere. Where the fuck do you think you're going? And throws I had to admit, with- I know this is such a minor thing, but I mean, it's such a nitpick. But I was like, God damn it. Couldn't she get a little farther? It just right. seems so convenient. Like, ah, I was here all along. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. And then he throws her in a cage with, I guess, rabid other girls that Tiny keeps in his room. I don't know. They, It's <laughs> weird. They just like jump on top of her. I don't get it. It freaks me out. And it's such a non, like it didn't need to be there, but it was right. just weird. I don't know. It was well, kind of like at the end too, and they she gets lowered into Doctor Satan's lair, and there's like people, things come out of the water. I'm like, what? Huh? What? <laughs> yeah. Who are they? How do? Who are these people? Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the cops. Then we get over to the cops finding the smashed up car, and then uh, so they kind of know that something bad has happened. They're gonna call it in. They look in the trunk, and that's disturbing. It's really disturbing because they had this pull-away shot, and they show the girl. I'm like, that's enough. And then they go to a close-up on her. It's like, that. Yeah. That's the hat on the hat. I was like, no. She's got trick-or-treat. Yeah, it was creepier when you just saw it briefly, but then they're like, and here's a close-up of her Mm -hmm. carved into her. I was like, okay. But that's fine. And then uh, you got baby coming in and giving Jerry a haircut, as I described it in my notes here. Oh, um, God, yes. I forgot the, about that. The cheerleaders are all dead, so they don't need their outfits anymore. So she's wearing a cheerleader outfit, and she comes in, and she's being 
just as cute as ever. And uh, she's like gonna, she quizzes him to see what his her favorite actress is, and he gets it wrong, and she starts to scalp him. I was supposed to, you said Marilyn Monroe, and it was Betty Davis, and yeah. he was like, I like where he goes. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh, so that's really good. Um. Otis and grandpa are sitting there uh, with Jerry up on the wall, all scalped. And he's like throwing knives at him. (laughs) That's like, what the fuck? While they like eat cereal or something and they're watching the monsters. And that's what is so great is he being with universal. He was just like, yeah, cool. I can throw in Frankenstein and I could throw in this old dark house and I can throw in the monsters and I can throw in, he had all these properties at his disposal because it was the monsters. Yeah. I mean, because it was universal. Universal, They owned everything. That's all. I never even thought about that. That's fucking great. Yeah. Probably the music too. In their universal music. I think so. They probably like, we own that. We can put that in. Yeah, that. Creature from the Black Lagoon thing on the wall where Jerry yeah. was. A lot of this stuff, they did a lot in the house, but a lot of the stuff was out of the house. It was just like sound stages and things like that uh, where they would just set up the room where she'd come in and scalp Jerry or, you know, things like that. It wasn't all done at the house. And so like that Creature from the Black Lagoon wall and all that sort of stuff, they were like, yeah, we could use it because it was universal. So it was awesome. Um, yeah, I did. I enjoyed the world building of, I don't know if that's the term, but just defining how fucked up this family was. And I remember that particular scene was the one where I just laughed. This guy's stuck to the wall and they're just kind of arguing over the dumb television because grandpa's talking about how he could drive that car just as fast. And he's, you dumb fuck. I mean, he's basically like, you couldn't drive that. And you're like, there's a guy stuck to the wall. And I hold on, I'm gonna throw a knife at him. Anyway, back to this, us arguing over the television. And it's just so, so many scenes in this. You're just like, I realize it's the point. But you say to yourself, this is bonkers. Well, and that was the Dragula um, scene from Oh, Wars. right. Yeah, 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 of course. And that's Rob Zombie's biggest hit ever. Sure, sure. Dragula. Right. And so that was kind of a nod to his own stuff, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, and he goes, don't you mess with me, Hugo, or don't test me, Hugo. And he holds <laughs> a knife and you just, you can kind of see that, that dynamic, that kind of power. And Hugo's dynamic. like, I know that Otis has been crazy and will kill me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just to make a point or carve me up and turn me into a fish boy. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, and Otis clearly is in charge of that family. Yeah. So in Devil's, when Devil's Rejects was coming out and they had that website and you could go look at all this sort of stuff, uh, they explained kind of everyone's backstories and where they came from. And uh, I think he was just a drifter that just kind of... Um, came into the family. He's not actually related to them. He's just kind of like a surrogate brother, uh, live in kind of just psychopath. So he's not actually, uh, um, baby's brother. No. And Spalding, I don't think is actually baby's father. Uh, I think Spalding is, or maybe he's baby's father, but Earl was the original dad. And that was, um, that was Tiny's dad. So I want to say that was Baby's dad too. I think Cutter is his actually the name that he goes by uh, as they expand on the on the uh, Captain Spaulding character. Um, so where I think does, they're all kind of surrogates. And that's where uh, uh, Skunk Ape comes in with Killer Carl and Professor is um, uh, Louis Dover as Rufus, Dr. Satan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just reading characters. 
Because well, here's one of the things I too. am not. Here's the thing I am not. Okay. And never have been. As I get older, it's probably worse. I'm amazed at people. Like I know a guy that could listen to a rap song once. Once. You could play it back and he could rap the whole thing. That's how his brain works. Mm-hmm. Always been the exact opposite. It's like, wait, you've seen this 20 times. I'm like, yeah, what were the characters' names? <laughs> so that is, I apologize to anybody who listens to this. Thank God for Ryan because I'm like, through the, this one, probably more of any of the films we've done so far, I'm like, I can't keep any of these damn names straight. <laughs> right. So I, that's that's right. It's good. Rain Wilson because I'm like, what is it? Like Bill. He, he did He was Bill. I don't remember the name Bill ever being uttered in this film. Well, and I keep getting tripped up because I say Bill and I think Bill Mosley. Right. And so that message. For some reason, Bill. Otis does not come to me because I want him to be Bill Mosley. <laughs> I Otis? want that to be the character's right. name is Bill Mosley. That sounds like who the character is, not Otis. Otis Driftwood. Yeah, that none of that works for me. And Baby Firefly. Mosley sounds Firefly. like that character. Here come Mosley. Yeah. <laughs> and Sherry Moon, that's the character's name in my head. Because that she looks right. like Sherry Moon. It is yeah. all about Halloween and Moon. And then I hear Baby and I go, oh yeah, her name's Baby. I forgot. No, they're big Marx Brothers fans. So everything oh. Marx Brothers stuff. So what's I the guess. next scene? What are we getting to after? Yeah, the, yeah. Let's push through wall. some of this. We're about 220 into this thing. Uh, Wydell meets Mama. Or the cops pick up the dad. They head to the house. So Sheriff Wydell meets Mama. Probably my favorite scene in this whole movie. Oh, that's great, right? It's when the it's, cops show up and they finally find, uh, uh, what's your name, hanging in the uh, shed and all the shit starts to go down. That's when I start to go, this is the best part of this film. And he, yeah. This is the best. I mean, that's the best scene. It drags every time I feel like it gets longer. Uh, she kills Wydell. The, it goes over the radio. You don't really hear it. Everything kind of starts to break down. And Otis comes around. They open that thing and it says, I remember you. And they're playing that song, that old timey song. And this carnage of this shed, they're just panning back and forth in slow-mo. And Otis comes around the corner and he blasts Mr. Willis, um, Denise's dad, and he goes down in a face full of puddle, and then he comes over to stand off with uh, with Nash. And Nash, just like a total bitch, sets down his gun. Like, dude, you're a cop. Don't put down your it's gun. A, I no think matter what happens. I but. think that's a good character development of that character. Perfect. He's the yeah. biggest, loudest talker. And when the shit hits the fan, he's like, don't kill me. Don't kill me. Off. My baby toe got bit off by a, what was it? Uh, chihuahua but it was a schnauzer or something something like that some small little dog and yeah. suddenly he's scared of dogs and which is the biggest jump in it when that dog goes, <laughs> i even went oh shit yeah and the guy goes, just a dog i'm like just a dog the dog will <laughs> straight up kill you oh yeah so yeah that was a great few well, bits i want to give props to, to the sheriff talking to um mama whatever her name is firefly that's such a great scene because she, she's Clearly gonna fuck them up. It's the way she's seducing him, and he's kind of like, oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. oh. she's yeah. there with her nasty teeth, being all, oh, oh. and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is crazy. He's buying into it. Meanwhile, the other guy's walking around terrified. But back to what you're saying, yes, the big show off where Sheriff goes face down in the puddle, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. And then uh, he puts his gun down, and they have that now famous scene of him shooting him in the head, which the first time I thought was brilliant. This time I was like, this, this is too long. <laughs> I counted in one thousandths. I yeah. one one thousand, two one thousand. I got to fifteen. Yeah, and boom, that goes off. And it's just 
I don't know. I th- like I said, every time it seems longer, it might be too long, but to me, it's like I stop breathing because I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my right. God, what's going to happen? Which is the what's going to happen? And Which then the you slow-mo, kapow, and it just right. echoes and reverberates and you just go, Jesus, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. And it seems like an Otis thing to do that even though that was technically in slow-mo, you, he, just him just standing there with a gun to his head, just like make this guy sweat it out even as long as you can terrify him before you blow his brains out and seem a little nasty. Um, no, it, was, it was powerful. Don't get me wrong. Cause the first time I saw it, I was like, Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Um, yeah. So, I mean, no more cops to worry about. They took care of those guys. Um, uh, Rufus has a brand new costume for Halloween. If you notice, he's dressed as a sheriff in the <laughs> in the following scenes, and I think that's hilarious because I don't think he would fit in either of their clothes. I think maybe Tom Towels. He's a pretty uh, big guy. A big dude. Yeah, so, maybe. But I think it's unbuttoned anyways, so his chest oh, is showing. Great. So it's kind of like it's still too small, but he's gonna wear it anyways. Um, and then you get to like just it's like just like metal. This next scene just looks so incredible, and that is red hot pussy lickers. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, <laughs> and you get another gratuitous shot of uh, Sherry Moon's butt in those assless chaps as she oh, right. up yes, to the thing. Yes. To Goober. G-Ober. Yeah. Name's Jerry Elber. Threw <laughs> the O in there. Okay, Goober. He's a fucking asshole. She goes, all right. Not nice. going to break my bank. She goes, nice story, Goober. Anyways, what do we owe you? <laughs> I like to get fucked up and do fucked up shit. Uh, so stupid, but I love it. Uh, so yeah, you get, um, they're just, they're getting some booze and you get a nice little scene there. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, going to say nice little shot of tushy. Yeah. The way. You, nice little scene there. Rob said, all of a sudden everyone didn't have anything to do. They were all just milling around the set for that shot. And I guess that oh. was like her first shot. And so it was, she was that a little That was the first time, that was the with. first scene she did? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I, I, it always cracks me up to know how, how out of order films are shot. Oh, God, yeah. Everybody showed up to see her butt. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then you get Otis skinning her, Denise's dad, which is fucked up. <sighs> Jesus. Do you think when he walks in with that face on that they do that dissolve to the actor's face because someone in post said, does there do does people know that that's her dad? I just I they had made okay. a joke, a pretty insensitive joke that I guess the first time they did it or the first mask they had they called Kenny Hugh or Kenny Wong or something like that because the actor filled the face out so much that it stretched it and it made it look oh. um that is insensitive. It's very insensitive. But uh, yeah, no. But, I think that they were concerned that people didn't realize. Because I get it. I mean, it was clearly fake. I'm not knocking the special effects in this film. It was amazing, but that looked plastic. And uh, it took me a second. I went, oh, shit, that's the, that's mm-hmm. the dad. And then he's going up to the daughter. And at one point, he says, I'm like, daddy. Says right. So I went, oh. Then when they dissolved to him, I was like, okay, I think somebody in post, like, maybe we should make sure that the audience knows who the fuck he's supposed to be wearing. Yeah. And he's got, then you find out he's wearing his chest too, which is even. It's got bullet holes in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh That was even more disturbing for some reason. I think because you're kind of used to the whole skin face, but I was like, ew. Yeah. Arms. 
chest, like his whole body. He took like, it's like a full on Buffalo Bill skin suit is amazing. And then you get uh, that whole thing. Oh, Otis. <laughs> oh, Otis. I'm the one that brings the Christmas candy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Now tell that's me, right. who's your daddy? Yeah. I'm the one that drinks the devil's brandy. Who's your daddy? It's just like so good. And I'm the one who loves you when you're fucking dead. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, man. It's just like, I can't take it. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty horrifying. Your dad's uh, skin is being worn by this guy. There was in times in this. There were times in this, and I loved her. The actress, what is her name? Uh, that played Denise. Or Aaron Daniels. Yes. He was great. Not knocking her in any way, shape, or form. But you watch something like Marilyn Burns and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre playing Sally, and it's like, obviously, you know, she didn't have to act, but she, you felt her, her fear. Mm-hmm. And there were times in this, I, th- I kept thinking, Aaron should be more freaked out. But you have to realize, yeah. I think I'm telling this to myself, there's probably a level of shock. That mm-hmm. you know, and within yeah. 24 hours or even 12 hours, you've gone from I'm going to see my dad. Oh, it's kind of raining to what? What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> happening to me and all my friends. Well, I felt the same way just getting into this portion of the film. We're still dealing with a crazy family, but this film in the last, I don't even know how many minutes this is, but from about the time that they lower those guys into the ground, into the cave system, you hit what the fuck after what the fuck after what the fuck. Yeah. Like every two seconds, it's like, okay, let's raise the bar. Okay, let's raise the bar. Almost to its detriment, in my opinion, they introduce these characters that you go, well, I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more of this guy. And they just, it's like, again, it's hats on top of hats on top of hats. Well, I think, I think, which is fine now, but I think there's probably trying to change my cushion. Um, I think that there's probably Rob Zombie's clearly goes without saying, but clearly a fan of all these things. And I would guess if you asked him, did you think you're at this point, were you sure you were going to ever make another movie? He's probably like, fuck no. No. (laughs) Yeah. Is Universal going to hand me something like that? Right. And it played out that they said, you know, this is crazy. We're, you're fired and we're never going to release this film. So I'm sure he was probably thinking, I'm going to jam everything I ever wanted to do in one movie. Well, I get know. that. And you have the backing of Universal to make it all. So he probably was like, and Underground, and this, and this character, and Skunk Ape, and... <laughs> and they're going, okay, yeah, we can make that. And you go, oh, what if we had there? Yeah, what if we, yeah. <laughs> I always had this dream of doing that. Let's make it. And he's like, fuck. It's that guy that just like, I'm just going to throw out every idea possible until they start shooting things down. But they kept saying, okay, whatever, dude, that's fine. Like, that's cool. Like, you're like a and you blame him. superstar rock star. Like, people will go see it anyways. It's got your name on it. And so, yeah, it's nuts. But um, so Halloween is a really uh, special time for these guys. They, uh, they, get the guy, they get Jerry and Denise and Mary all dressed up as rabbits in their little onesies and they walk them on out to their death and they're with they're all dressed up for halloween tiny's got a really shitty version of batman or Mm -hmm. something going on there uh otis is dressed up well i guess he's just he's not dressed up dressed up yet but um so yeah they're walking everyone out there and uh who runs i think it's mary i think mary runs Mm, oh yeah yeah and uh you get baby takes off 
the baby's running after him and uh, you get run rabbit run run rabbit run and uh, you get otis's amazing uh thing they cut to him which again is i think one of those charles manson talking to the camera type things where he goes ah i'm just gonna keep doing this shamelessly ah. hunting humans ain't nothing but nothing they all run like scared little rabbits run rabbit run and it's just oh my god it's so good <laughs> and she stabs the fuck out of that poor girl yeah, she Whoop jumps holy god and the board is flattering on and is like god damn yeah they were just using like a little syringe i guess just and then she licks the knife little squirts of blood all over it was great that's one of my favorite things and that's something i want us to try a little bit more is the kind of reverse shot just like throwing blood on someone Mm -hmm. i tried to do it on the set of death alley and i fucked it up royally and it just didn't work and i'm really upset that i didn't plan better for that one because i didn't want to make a huge mess out of right. Cowtown in the sure. bank and like spray blood everywhere. So I was just going to flick little bits on the person's face while he like punches someone. Right. Like, and I was trying to lay down underneath the camera, but every time I flicked, my hand would get into the frame oh, and right. the yeah. blood wasn't hitting the person and I'm covered in all the blood, but he's not. And it's just like, it was just a total clusterfuck. And that was one of those moments where they were like, yeah, fuck it, cut it. Like, just get out of right. the shot and we're just going to do we it. Need to get like, normal. Yeah. Right. We need to get moving. And I felt like shit. <laughs> all right i mean it's fine but yeah you live and learn but um i like that you go i felt like shit and i go it's all right yeah you feel like shit that's fine yeah it is live and learn yeah you get over it you get back to work they take them throw them in this uh casket looking thing they throw uh uh uh, jerry and uh what's her name uh i almost said debbie Denise, <laughs> I have to admit their names are so generic that throws me off too. Mm-hmm. Jerry and Denise, they throw them, they lower them down in there, and that's I remember in the original viewing, really going like you said, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like <laughs> what now? Like, like this thing wasn't weird enough. Now they got these like hairless people that like attack them. And I still yeah. go, that's supposed to be. Well, it is the House of One Thousand Corpses, and so I guess it's they're not just corpses. It's like House of One Thousand Zombies or something, or like wild people. We're in the supposed walls to believe that Doctor Satan has succeeded in animating corpses. Oh, yeah, good point. Okay, there you go, done. Because the thing that chases her, <laughs> well, and thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Um, the thing that chases her. Which is great, but they don't do much with it with the goggles and the oozy mouth, mm-hmm. you know, that she's getting chased. The professor. Is, is that who that is? That's what yeah. that's known as? Okay. But that character was made by Dr. Satan? I mean, I guess. I thought he was like Dr. Satan's partner. Like, I've, man. Dr. Satan was awesome. Uh, Dr. Satan I mean, is they show fucking him with awesome. Little metal arms and everything. I always remember, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. But when that guy showed up, I guess the professor, I did go, uh, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> just out of nowhere i was just like and anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves so she goes down gets attacked they both do by these little hairless zombies <laughs> i guess and i yeah. she gets away from him and i remember always thinking all right you don't know what any of this is <laughs> yeah <laughs> people are then she runs by some old dudes and don't know who they are then yeah. she goes into like a living room and i don't know who any of these people are <laughs> Which I, you know, as a Lynch fan, I don't have to. Right. I mean, I make up my own thing. But then when Professor shows up, it really like is, what? Yeah, you get to see Am a little bit of him earlier on. 
And you get a little bit of the lore of Dr. Satan and stuff like that. So you, you kind of understand like, Oh, okay. Like they're telling all these stories, but you just assume everyone's liars. You know, you assume no, that is exciting. Yeah. That is exciting. All that stuff. But yeah, you don't, I mean, no, nowhere do you get any inkling of like what is happening here. So you're kind of just as lost as her. And this is where the movie, like I said, it kind of just keeps going a step bigger and a step bigger. And it's like, okay, cool. So there's people that ripped us out of this coffin. Okay. So now there's old people also dressed like rabbits. Did they dress everyone like rabbits before they sent him down here? How old was this guy when he was put down here? Why is he so old? Here's the thing I've always felt like with movies like that is you're exactly right is you go to somebody like Dr. Satan and I don't want to see this movie, but you're, I tend to always think what's his day in day out. (laughs) Where's he sleep? What's he eat? Does he just have lunch and watch TV? Does he ever want to go on vacation? Yeah, but it's like, no. Does he sleep like that? He just, yeah, he just works 24-7. He's been doing it for decades. I mean, it's like, what? Huh? Yeah. So many creatures in these movies just exist. They do this creepy thing. It's like, well, this is literally like 2% of their life. What do they do 98% of the time? Do they go sleep somewhere? Do they go to the lake and... <laughs> fish do they hang out do they have dreams and aspirations besides yeah. living in this cave where does frankenstein poop you know it's like poop? it's like all oh I, don't get me started on that it drives me crazy when they show people that are like tied up for days in like legit good movies and mm-hmm. it's like and they never re- address that it has to stink because at some point they're going to shit themselves there's no toilet but they do they i remember watching the english patient and i was dating this girl forever we broke up after seeing that movie and I, I ruined it. Was that bad, like, huh? Well, I did. I thought it was that bad. She said, most romantic, so romantic. I said, oh, I hated that. And he had like the woman in there at some point, he leaves in this cave and he comes back to get her later. And it'd been like days if I remember right. And I ruined it because she was talking about how romantic it was. And I was like, well, it would have smelled like shit because she would have pooped herself numerous times in this cave. She was like just laying on the floor. And she's like, you're ruining it. And I was like, well, but it wasn't addressed. This is a fact. Right. M- movies do this. It's like you said. It's like who? Wait, 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 wait. Good days. Who's? Where do they pee or poop? What is the mucus thing on the like on doctor's uh, on the professor's mouth? Why does he know. have yeah, to pull like the thing out and go? It go just because it's gross. Yes, they said that that was I, colored food thickener, like the kind wow. of shit that you put into the milkshakes at yeah. McDonald's. No, I think you're like, exactly right. I think it like was. Pus I thought it was baby something. food is what I assumed it was. Ugh. But it looked great. It was awful. And of course, he did nothing because he was terrible at using an axe. <laughs> hey, fun fact, not a stunt man swinging a real axe at this point. Oh, right, right. I do remember reading that and couldn't see where he was swinging this axe. Yeah. This woman. They just assumed she'd get out of the way. <laughs> God, it's not unlike Jason Libs. For this being a like a universal thing, you know, them backing him, like eh, they were playing pretty fast and loose with a lot of the things. And Rob m- mentioned several times, like, yeah, you know, whatever. We were just doing, uh, you know, in retrospect, probably should have had a stuntman there or something like that. Like he was like, yeah, so and so got hurt, but you know, and it, it is what it is. And you know, he's just kind of relax about it. Like you would assume that they would have had you know, a big budget studio thing like that would have, would have had like people micromanaging all of that sort of shit. Like, wait, you've got her doing what? Okay. Well, that's got, you got to have someone professional on that right. side. We got to have safety meetings. We got to, there's going to be a cave in on top of him and all that stuff. 
Well, and what we said before, it's like a fake axe. I'm so tired of hearing about, oh, he beat him with a real stick. Well, give him a fake stick. Oh, we didn't have a fake stick. Well, maybe you design a fake stick so the poor girl's not bruised and beat. You know, it's that drives mm-hmm. me crazy. You were almost killed by that real axe. Well, maybe you don't have a real axe. Yeah. They put padding on um, Rain Wilson's back during that beatdown scene outside of the Firefly house. And uh, the stunt guy hauls off and hits him in the side of his rib cage. And uh, yeah, apparently it like really hurt because guess what? I've got padding on my back, not my sides, you son of a bitch. But he's in that big ass head. What's he going to do? Like you can't see what you're doing. Anyways, it's crazy. So needless to say, um, they used this old thing twice, which I thought was a little hokey because he can't swing that axe to save his life, even though he's right. so big and imposing. That gets her out of the door, so she's able to run from him. Right. And then it happens again, and that's the cave-in on top right. of him that kills him. Now, you mentioned earlier that this whole thing of her getting picked up in the morning was a dream sequence or something and she never actually got out of there right she's still in there because and you know that because you see the professor right by dr satan i never once caught that i assumed she actually went out she got caught again by Allah, texas chainsaw massacre she got picked up by a kindly sir that she didn't know was in cahoots with the other guys right and uh and which ended is the up better, back I mean. in Doctor Satan's chair. Which I. Why would you have to put the professor back in there? Like, why does it have to be a dream? I don't know. It's weird. I couldn't agree more. To me, the better ending is just have her think she's going to be safe, and Bill Mosley, uh, <laughs> see, because he's always going to be Bill Mosley. Oh, just yeah. pops <laughs> up, and uh, is in cahoots with uh, Spalding, and there's your ending. Yeah, that's it. But cut. then they they come back to Doctor yeah. Satan, and I'm going. Is this them fast forwarding to her? But you said Professor was back in that shot. I guess so. That's what they mentioned. Professor's back in the shot. So you, it could be a dream. It could not. She could have never gotten out well, of that's, there. To me, that's, I mean, not to piss on the film, but that's dumb. Why would her fantasy involve a double cross? You know what I mean? Right. Like It would have made I a lot would, more sense if she actually got saved by someone who wasn't Captain Spaulding. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they cut to her back and you go, oh, she went in there. God right, she it. thought it would have been was, way better. Because to me, it's like so. There's two bad endings. I mean, two bad <laughs> endings for two bad endings for her. I mean, it's like my fantasy. It's fucked, and I'm fucked. But that maybe that's how Rob Zombie is. Like everything's fucked. And it's like, oh, yep. hey. So she but, ends up back in the chair, and we get the classic, the end. Cool. I, I was in Mark. I've always been a big fan of that. I I don't think I wished it would have said the end and then the question mark comes up. I'm a big fan of that. Oh, it did. And then it did it go. Yeah. The the question question mark mark later fades. in. Okay, great. Good. Good. I'm a big fan. The end. Or is it? Or is it? We're going to do three of these fucking films and you're not going to be happy at all about the third one. (laughs) Man, they, they, my niece Carrie loves the third one. Well, I mean, you know, there's things I want to like about it, uh, but you know, and at least they knew Sid wasn't going to be able to participate to the level that they wanted him to. So they brought in Richard Brake. I know. I think that's what bothered it for me. It's like they should have just saw how bad he was and just, and we all love Sid Haig. But at that point, it just seemed sad. Mm-hmm. And, and almost abusive that he had to be kind of, you could tell he was, couldn't even, didn't really even 
wasn't bringing it. And it just, everything about it just felt sad. Well, yeah, I mean, the, that whole thing. And then Richard Brake is, is just so abrasive that it, it, it took away from, like I said, if there's one thing that the Devil's Rejects did, it is made, if people didn't already love these terrible, despicable people, these characters, Devil's Rejects took them, made them a real family unit, and almost made them the good guys. Right. Because the sheriff that was trying to avenge his brother's death, which was Wydell from the first one, he starts to go crazy and he starts to become like one of them. And he starts to become kind of vigilante and going outside of the law because it's like, you can't control these people. You just got to kill them. You just got to do what you got to do. And so he starts to lose his mind and you get these really redeeming moments of these, these, this family when they're in the car and baby's like, I, I want ice cream. Can we stop for ice cream? And, and Otis is like, God damn it. There is no fucking ice cream in your future. Stop asking about ice cream. There is no fucking ice cream in your future. Hard cut. They're back in the car and they're licking ice cream cones. And Otis is just over there. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> they won, you know, they got their fucking ice cream and they're Spalding is loving it. And she's loving it. And it, it's such as like a sweet moment where they're like, we got tootie fucking fruity. And right. they're just like this sweet family of killers and rapists and murderers. And you like, you that is sweet. That's really sweet. <laughs> you kind of love them and you don't want them to die at the end, even though they're awful people. And so he made you sympathize and love these despicable characters. And then the third one, just like, it just goes way off the rails and I, uh, yeah, it had just sick for that. being sick. And, it, yeah. and it, it, at least yeah. he's still trying to make movies. That's, I mean, that's, that's all I can say is I'm glad that he's still making movies. I wish they resonated with me more than they do, but I'm glad he's still doing it, even if he doesn't have the money for it and stuff. Like, I'm just glad that he's taking on that charge in between touring every year and putting out a new album and putting, I mean, he's creating things constantly. Right. He doesn't right. stop. And that's why he looked and. He, I saw him, like I said, and I know we're nearing the end of this thing and we should probably wrap it up, but um, I saw him last year in Kansas City with Cassandra. We won tickets from Shudder. Thank you, Shudder, um, to go Thank see. Thank you, Shudder. I love you, Shudder. I love you. Let me come work for you or be your spokesperson or something. I'll be your biggest cheerleader. Anyways, um, this has been sponsored by Shudder. Um, your only place. It's the Netflix for horror. Uh, no, um, we saw them and Rob is... Uh, I think a few years older than Marilyn Manson. Right. And Marilyn Manson, that was the other album that changed my life was Antichrist Superstar. And I am a huge, huge fan of what he does. And he's old. He's a little out of shape. A lot out of shape. He was melting in the August sun in Kansas City. And he was just, it, it was a rough looking show to watch him perform. And then Rob Zombie is out there like the god, like a goddamn energizer bunny. He is thin. He is in shape. He is jumping and running and just, he is on every part of that stage for like two hours, giving it 120%. And he's like, goddamn, I don't even know how old he is. He's, old, he's probably, at, I'm 53. I think he's like 56, 57. He was fucking putting it down out there. 
and promoting his movie and doing this and doing that. I mean, he's just, the guy is, I'll yeah, he's a hero of mine. And again, I mean, I love House of a Thousand Corpses. I still do. He's 55. He turns in January 56. Wow. For him. Putting it down. That being said, what? I saw him and Alice Cooper many years ago. And Alice Cooper put Rob Zombie to shame. I saw, Alice Cooper didn't miss a fucking beat. I saw Motley Crue, who I love. Their farewell tour. Big arena. And, they gave, and Alice Cooper opened up. Alice Cooper had his little show. You know, he knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is their thing. And Alice Cooper blew him away. He is. Yeah, everything about it. I remember Andy and I. Perfection. Just, this should have been the other way around. Mom yeah. Cruz should open for Alice Cooper. So, <laughs> God bless him. Well, I think it's a good place to stop on uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. I just want to end by saying, big fan, big fan of the movie. Everything he did. It's a love letter to horror and uh, filmmaking. And he nailed it. So and, you did uh, like it. Oh, I love it. Because I was really curious to see how you would feel about it. No, no, no. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And uh, it, it, you can see his admiration for not only the, so many old television movies and the filmmaking itself. Yeah, it's a love letter to so many things. And I think that's why, you know, him saying or admitting that people are saying, oh, you did it right the first time. You've been chasing it ever since. And it's like, well, I think with a lot of things, I can say as an artist, there's things I do, paintings I've done or drawings or whatever. I'm not putting myself on the same level with him. But you can nail something and you go, God, I wish I could do that again. You can't do it again. No. You should never try to do it again. You should try to just always be reinventing. They're not going to always hit. No filmmaker has. I mean, Kubrick made Eyes Eyes Wide Shut, which I I still can't. Mm -hmm. I've watched it five times. I still can't quite get into it. But they can't all be perfect. And uh, But like you said, he at least keeps trying. And I, God bless him. I hope he does till the day he dies. You know, I, I guarantee he's going to come back to one. You go, holy shit, he's back. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I'm no stranger to with our group film and stuff. You know, you work with your people and you got your stable of solid people. You love to work with, you love to spend time with, you love to create with, and you know, they're dependable and all that sort of stuff. So I don't knock him for using Sherry Moon in every movie. I mean, I would put, I would work on every film with my wife, Cassandra, if I could, you know, if sure. she were down. Um But, you know, at a certain point, I want to see, Rob, if you're listening, I want to see you just try something different. Try to get away from a a lot of the Rob Zombie-isms and the tropes that you have and maybe, like, just, just, just get weird. Make a heartfelt Hallmark drama. I don't give a shit. I just want to see you try something different. Well, David Lynch, a monster did, movie or something. David Lynch did a straight story, which is a G-rated film, and it's fucking a masterpiece. Yeah, and people like, are like, I didn't know David Lynch could do that. It's like, well, yeah, he's an artist. He can he can pull these things off. So I like don't can, doubt that. Yeah. I don't doubt that Rob Zombie couldn't say, you know, I never tell people this, but I'm a fan of Christmas movies that are <laughs> heartfelt. It's like, well, try one. He was going to do a hockey movie about the bruisers or something at one point oh, right. and that fell through and he was going to do another remake or remake of the blob and that fell through. And like, as I mean, if he could, I want it to be horror. Don't get me wrong. Obviously I want it to be horror and I want him to make what he wants to make, but maybe don't set it in the seventies. Maybe don't have it star your wife. Like just try to change things up, get fresh, get just once different with it. Just once. I just want to see just, it. So just reset it. 
Anywho, that's that's my rambling mess. Uh, this first entry into um, Fuck Yeah Halloween has been a lot of fun, and I'm anxious to uh, get more Halloween-y with you in the very yes. near future, sir. Yes. Figure out what that's going to be. I want to thank, as always, the... It seems slowly more and more people are kind of telling us we're, they're listening, which is exciting. And yeah, feedback has been good. And uh, we appreciate everybody who actually, I mean, these are, this one's pushing three hours. Oh and my God, I know. I everybody seems that I've talked to has said, oh yeah, I watched, listen to the whole thing. Because obviously with podcasts, you can do that. And so mm-hmm. it means a lot to us. It really does. And, you know, I, uh, I will apologize that probably more than in any of them, this one, I went in going, I am not preparing at all. Brian's going to go. And there was plenty of times I'm going, I should prepare a little more. <laughs> so maybe next time I will have more to, because I found myself going, where are we in the movie? <laughs> but I say, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Wade. This has and been thank you, everyone. Presents. And thank you, Andy. Oh, with Art Brute Film. With Art Brute Film. And we'll talk to you next time. Love Bye. you. Bye. I love you. Bye. Love you all. Thank you. La, 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 la. Andy, you'd be like, Jesus, I got to listen to this fucking thing to get all the way to the end. Jesus, I got to listen to this fucking thing all the way to the end? <laughs>